Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. No Bass and Brews podcast would be complete without my underwater robberies hat. You know that green one that I always wear? Well, you can pick that up at hooksethoodlums.com. One of the best teams out on the market right now, that Hookset Hoodlums team, and the gear is always on point. So make sure you go check them out. And remember, one passion, one team. I'm a Mandy, and I'm a functioning alcoholic. Oh, damn it. Every time, y'all, let me get this. Hey, I'm doing my best Jordan Marshall impression with the hard hat on and the white sunglasses he wears with new lenses. Welcome to Bass and Brews podcast. I've already got our guest in here. You, it, it, for, for the people watching, you might see and those listening, this, this might be the first time ever we've got no co-host and two guests. This is wild. It's going to be a good time. And this here is part of the Santee house. And the reason we only got two instead of the, the other one, because he's been on the podcast twice and, and Jordan was it. But we've got hashtag pro, Eric, and we got Matt Millard. How y'all folks doing tonight? We're good. Good. Glad to be here. That's, prob- that's probably the shittiest answer we have ever gotten to the <laughs> opening question of Bass and Brews from two people at the same time. Well, let, let me mean, let me expand on that. I, I, I feel, you know, a little bit honored, maybe just a little honored to be a part of this, you know, especially as, as poorly as I performed in 2022 fishing. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like anybody wants to – to listen to what I've got to say, they, they, they uh, want to probably pay a little more attention to Matt than me tonight. Well, that's, that's you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit because you have sucked ass this year where you hadn't before. And, you know, we got Matt down here. This, this dude, he's, he's been kind of on a roll here lately. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're never, you're never up to the – standard or expectation you have for yourself, but I've been consistent this year and been able to catch fish, you know, uh, been happy with that, but always room to improve. Well, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you've done as shitty as I have since February, you have nowhere to go, but up or fucking quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, momentum works both ways. Eric's talking about having a bad year. Uh, you can have positive momentum and you feel like you can do no wrong. And then 
you also have those times where you get that monkey on your back and it's all you can do to try and get it off. And it, uh, it's kind of tough once you get going that downward trend, but all it takes is one good tournament. You're back in the game. We're going to dive into that real quick. Did y'all bring anything to drink tonight? Yes, sir. I've been playing in a charity golf event today, so I've been sampling for a, a fair amount of the day, and I've got a I've got an early flight in the morning, so I'm, I'm on I'm on the non-alcoholic piece right now. But I've had a few drinks, so um. okay. So so Eric's in charge of the podcast. He does not have administrative rights, but if he tells me to do something that needs administrative rights, I administratively handle it. If Perfect. I can still hear him, Matt, what you drinking, house? Man, I just got a Miller Lite, nice and simple. Hey, man, I love it. I've got, I've got. It's, it's not, it's not White Claw Surge, but it's a black Bud Light Platinum Seltzer. It's eight alcohols, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be sipping on that tonight. But back to your thing about momentum and fishing, Eric. You've, you've had a, you mean, for all intent and purposes, a shitty year. Correct. Have you been on the water as much this year as you have the? The, at least the last couple of years has that has something to do with it you know it's that's a great question you know I, i've been kind of spoiled uh you know really my whole life but but when i started kayak fishing you know i've never been married no kids so i've got plenty of time and i, I kind of pretty much quit my real job in january um just just out of more uh, several different things that was going on within the organization but it's like you know what i got to the point where i was like i'm at a position in my life where I've got this real estate gig that's doing well. And it's like, you know what, I'm going to go fish and I probably fish more this year than I ever have, hmm. you know? So as far as reps go, you know, it's really not a reps kind of thing. And I, you know, I've probably been doing this about seven years now and I've, I felt like I've gotten better every year with the exception of this year. And this year, probably I had as big of expectations to, to do well as I've had in any year. And you know, um, you know, it's, it's fishing is, you know, I, I played golf a ton before fishing and fishing is a lot like golf. I mean, there's a mental aspect to it. You need a break here and there. Um, I've gotten some really quality bites in tournaments and I haven't converted on those bites. Um, you know, and I, I'm fishing better than I have earlier in the year. You know, last year I got off to a great start, had three, mm-hmm really good finishes in the Hobies and was, you know, was ranked number one after the first point system came out and, you know, been in the TOC to the last three years and nearly got in, in the shootout when I didn't qualify. And that's such a, uh, you know, Matt's done it and he can speak to it. And I've cashed in one TOC. It came in 19th last year. And I mean, when you're, you, those are, those are hammers. I mean, there's not a, there's not a person in there that's not, capable of, of winning that tournament or doing well or, or what we call a hammer. And so, you know, I almost feel like that venue is, is better for, for me and my strategy. I'd rather fish against the 49 best guys as I would 200 guys or 199 guys, because I think, you know, you know, Matt will just test it is if you look, if you look at, at what's happened this year at the Hobies and how, you know, how successful they've been, it's kind of a catch 22 because you've got, you've got a bunch of local hammers and a lot of those tournaments, man, you start looking at where they're at and you start looking at who did well. <laughs> it's the guys that know the most about that area. And I'm not, I'm certainly not making excuses because I, you know, I, I had a great tournament two years ago at Lake Fork. 
I've had great tournaments, you know, at out of town venues, but um, it's, it's, it's just, a, it's a little different landscape this year. And I almost feel like, I feel like, I feel like that, that some of these fish have been beat up on more because there's more people practicing and there's not really, nobody's really addressed, you know, any concerns about cutting practice short. And so if, if you have the ability to practice the whole month before Hobie, you knock yourself out, you know, you got till Friday at four, you know, and, 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 and there's good and bad about that. Cause you don't want, you know, we all know and love Jordan. You don't want a guy like Jordan. who don't have the time that maybe I have not to be able to come and, and, you know, get in the water on Friday or Thursday or whatever, you know, works for his schedule or Matt, you know, he's got a busy schedule too. So I see both sides of it, but um, you know, it's, it, it's really, and I think, you know, spending time with you, Paul and the, you know, at Santee Cooper, I mean, I love it. I mean, you know, I, I want to do well, but you know, it's not, it's not life or death. You know, this is a, this is all I've always looked at this as a, as a hobby and, and um, you know, I want to compete and I want to put my skills up against the, the better fishermen and fisher women out there. And uh, you know, it's funny because I see people having success like Justin Patrick, great guy. I mean, just a great guy. And, you know, just, just so happy to see him do, what he did at Chick. I mean, to, to break through and do what he did. I mean, that's, that's fantastic, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and I don't care to share this. I'm 50 years old. I turned 50 in April. And you're look, old as fuck. I am old AF. And I look at, I look at, <laughs> we reminded we remind him of it all the time. All the time. I get called dad. <laughs> Lambert calls me dad. I mean, it's hard. It's, it's, I get, I get, I, you know, I, I probably. He's could, old as hell, but he'd be, he be fishing and keeping up with Jordan all the damn time. So I try. Oh, he can. Jordan being an old, an old soul. You know, but, but, but you look, you look at the TOC and, and you throw out Jody Queen, you throw out Dennison, you throw out Tim Isaacs, you throw out myself. It's a young man's game. I mean, you got Jordans, you got Matt's, you got you got Jackson's, you got Christine, you got Guillermo, you got, you know, I mean, you got it's a youthful group. And and not to say that really matters, but to cover 15 miles in a day, that's nothing for these guys. Matt, Matt covers the heck out of water, Jordan covers the heck out of water. I feel like for for my you know, age, I cover the heck out of water and, and, and we'll, and we'll make a run somewhere or, or plan to fish an area that's not super close to a boat, boat ramp. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's been interesting and, and you know, I, I did, you know, I've got a new boat this year. It's been a little bit of a, a learning curve. Uh, I've added a motor for practice. That's a little bit of a learning curve because you can get a false sense of oh, yeah. what you can actually do on tournament day. Cause you're out there cruising along at five miles an hour Oh, that's not too bad to get to. And then come tournament day after you've, you know, missed two big fish first thing in the morning, you're a little bit, you know, mentally off. And you're like, man, I don't, don't want to run two miles down the lake and see if I can catch another fish. So, and, and you talked this up. It's, it's the, the Hobie BOS Bass Open Series. And for the folks that listen and that keep up with the kayak side of it and the bass professional fishing side of it, you know, the boater side. You will all the, with the exception of the TOC, the 10, and then the the KBF National Championship, but, you know, 400 people qualify for that. But anyway, they're all open series. And you hear a lot now, the the Bass, Bassmaster Open Series 
they're sold out with waiting lines out the out the ass. And mm-hmm. so that's the thing. People are people are fishing. They're in the fishing as part of what's going on the last two years. People have had time. They bought gear. They bought boats. You know, we're we're at the peak now. We're going to see it start to drop off, but it's still an open and part of fishing in the opens. And and even the pros that have gone back to the opens to requalify for bass, they talk about how hard it is to fish in those open series because there's so many people. There's folks, uh, and and you know the the bass opens. They don't want to set aside a lot. Of, they don't want to have those cutoff times because there are those locals that are going to pay that that money to fish in those. And so their guides, their locals, you know, they don't want to kick those folks out by having a 30-day no fishing period. And so it happens like that. And, you know, and it's been talked about on other podcasts. We talked about it on ours. The way kayak fishing is going right now, at some point, there's going to be a professional series, right? We're going to get one or two leagues that have invitational or qualifying only people that go into it. But right now it is all open, so you 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 have to deal. But we look at the folks in the TOC, for instance. We'll use that because that's what we've been talking about. That they the way they keep their points. That's what we that we see. Sorry, my kids are coming in from the pool. and Everybody's laughing at me. I hey. like your hats. Thank you. Say hey, buddy. <laughs> no, nobody likes your hat. Can't look Carter. Just can't look Carter. Tennessee baby. Can't look Carter. All right, buddy. Come tell me good night, okay? Uh, not now, but when you go to bed. <laughs> but you know, we're we're gonna see that. But for now, you look at the TOC and Hobie, the people that are up there, they're the ones that are they're are traveling to the majority of tournaments and they're doing that stuff and and they're competitive and winning. So and Oh, the home field advantage ain't shit. Look, I fish in the KFL with the Tar Hill Lunkers. We fished our first two games were at home against Alabama t- team. I can't remember who we we uh, competed against two weeks ago, but we lost both of them at home. At home. Yeah. I mean, these are lakes that we chose because we fish them well. So, you know, that it's not always because you get these preconceptions of how of how fish are biting leading up to that tournament. But in fishing, the you know, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday or two weeks ago or three days ago. Damn fish, they do shit on an hourly basis. <laughs> and so it don't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Matt, tell us about your year, dude, because you started off slow. We talked a little bit this at, at you know at Santee and all this, but you've you kind of turned it on here recently. I mean, tell us about this past weekend because you kicked some ass this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, we had the we we're one of the few states that's lucky to have the regional Bassmaster Series. You got that Tennessee Bass Nation, and I think this was their final event on Douglas, and I hadn't. I fished Douglas maybe five or six times, uh, never past about May or so. And uh, I really wanted to qualify for that. They have their state championship, which is a two-day event on Chickamauga in August. So I wasn't able to pre-fish or anything, but I just wanted to try and get into that top 15 to get the chick. And uh, just 
done treated it just like I would a Hobie, honestly. I done a bunch of map study beforehand and uh went to that area. It was a new area, never been to before on the lake, had a game plan. Ended up scratching that game plan about 15 minutes in and uh, ended up having a limit, I think, in about 40 or 45 minutes and had a really good day and ended up finishing fifth, I think, first guy out of the money. And uh, But that, I was happy with that. You know, a lot of those guys that were there actually come up a day or two ahead of time and, and pre-fished and got that, you know, knowledge. Like you were saying, you know, a home field advantage – a lot of times can be a detriment, especially if you're spending a lot of time on the water leading up to that point. Like you said, you get an idea of what the fish were doing and how you were catching them a week or two ago. And you're not taking that real time info, you know, like what, what they're doing now, not what they were doing a week ago. So I think, you know, for most people, it ends up being a detriment on the home field deal. But as far as the rest of my year goes, I did start a little bit slower. You know, me and Eric and Jordan and uh, Daniel went to Texas to fish that uh, the Bassmaster on Lake Fork, which got down there two days early so we could have two days to practice. The whole damn thing was iced over. We were set <laughs> in the, uh, the VRBO basically for two days and couldn't do anything. Had to thaw the boats out, went the first morning of the tournament. There's ice on the water. Like you're busting ice to put a kayak in. It was just brutal. Then we went to Toledo Bend and uh, had a terrible 30-mile-an-hour winds on the first day. It was tough. And, you know, Eric was talking about his slow start. And honestly, the first three or four tournaments at least that we fished, we had crazy conditions to deal with. Like the first tournament, we were busting ice at the boat ramp, like I just mentioned. Toledo Bend, day one, we had at least 30-mile-an-hour winds. Like, it really affected what you could do and what you couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And then we went so, to Santee Cooper, which was fishing let me, let me, awesome. Let me throw something in on the Toledo Bend, and, and, and he's spot on. But the, the other thing that was crazy about Toledo Bend, big water. I've never really seen anything quite that big. But you know, that Oh, it's was, huge. That was a sellout with Hobie. You had 200 boats on the water. And they had a 400 motorboat tournament going on at the same time. And even though that water was so big, you got 600 tournament anglers thinking along the same lines, and you had wind. I mean, it was yeah. it was miserable. It was but absolutely that, miserable. And weather like that puts it. Weather like that will put everybody in the in the same areas, right? You're trying to get out. Like, of I wind love the fish. Or, I want yeah. I want 10 to 15 mile per hour winds. When you get something like that, boat, you can't 30 mile power winds in a bass boat, you can't cast your shit in there. Your spotlight. Yeah, I got it wrong that day, too. (laughs) It was what I thought was going to be protected was not. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah, there there were some there were some guys get stuck. You know, they couldn't literally get their kayaks back to where they launched because they were. Yeah, know, Luke Arian, he was one of them. Yeah, and then there, there was four or five motorboats capsized. I mean, it was, you know, it, you, you get to a point, and, I, and I, I, I've been asked to be a tournament director locally and all this kind of stuff. I don't want to wear that hat because you got to make some tough decisions. Hey, you know, that, that Lake Fork tournament probably should have been canceled. I get it. I mean, I get the fact, you know, you got people coming in from out of town. We wanted to fish. We literally had to beg our VRBO guy to let us in his garage to thaw our kayaks out. We put space mm-hmm. heaters in the garage. And when I say thaw them out, 
our 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 straps were 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 you know frozen to the trailer. The cords were frozen. You had no rudder. You had no 360. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it was yeah. it was bananas. And and then yeah. you know your your you know your lines were frozen. Your guides were frozen. I mean, it was it was insane. And and that's one thing to fish that stuff from the boat. And as kayak anglers, we accept the weather situations in our little boats. And the majority of us have have boats, kayaks that are safe to be in the water in, in conditions like that. Um, you know, some, not, not everybody, there's 200 boaters, probably some local anglers there and some people that came that maybe don't have Hobies or old towns or things that can take big water and big waves. But in general, we do take that responsibility to be able to go out there and act safely and to make decisions to put ourselves in safe conditions. But, then again, there's money on the line, so you're going to take a risk or two that might might not be out there. But you know, I mean, I mean that's it's still got to be I, angler responsibility. Oh, I just say it's that's a tough call. You know, I think mm-hmm. bass they pushed they pushed uh, first lines back an hour, an hour and a half on Saturday, and just like Matt said, you know, you're busting ice to get your boat in, and then it's like as soon as you got in the water. We had thought our kayaks out to 360 if you had a 360 froze, so you couldn't you couldn't really maneuver your rudder was froze. And I was like, well, I'm gonna hang out here at the boat ramp until I can actually maneuver somewhere, you know. So it's rough. You, you got your propane torch out there trying to heat up the kayak without melting nothing. Exactly. Yeah, crazy. Exactly. So, and and you know, I mean, that's the thing though. When you get into that tournament side of it. And this is the way I fish. Like I, I, I like to fish to compete. I got into kayak fishing because I was going to have to compete off the back of a boat in our local clubs, and I've already done that before, and that shit sucks. And if mm-hmm. they don't have a non-boater aspect of their club, you're you're fishing against all the other people in the front of the boat and this and that. So that's why I got into kayak fishing. But you, know, there's that competitive side of you that regardless of what's going on, regardless of the weather, we have to be ready to fish the shittiest conditions because everybody knows if you got a tournament this weekend or next weekend or eight months from now, there's going to be a cold front or some shitty-ass weather that yeah. comes through on Friday or the day of the tournament. It, it ain't going to like like, you know, it's not going to be perfect conditions on those tournament days. But that's how we fish. Like that's how a lot of us think about that. Every time we go fishing, but like look, we don't go fishing when it's nice out, when it's the perfect time to go fishing, uh, either whatever your perfect time is. We go out there because damn it, we got to go out there whenever, regardless of what what's going on. We got to go out there, Eric. So Eric, if y'all don't know Eric, hashtag pro. That that is him. Hashtag pro slash hashtag pro moderator. Not to be confused with hashtag pro neighbor. That's a whole different, a whole different guy. <laughs> Eric, tell us, tell us about this hashtag pro shit. Because if anybody up oh, Matt Millar's gotta go tinkle. If anybody that that is on any of the, the KBNs or runs around in these circles, we see the hashtag pro all the time. Where did that come from, Hoss? Well, you know, 
it's kind of funny because, um, you know, I, I told you golf was my thing prior to getting into fishing and, and, um, we, we always used to make, I, you know, I, I caddied on tour for a season and, and I was in the ropes and I actually know what professional golf is about because I saw it up close. And, you know, you've got people that are not very good golfers that, that pretend like they're, they're professional and they have their name on their bag and all this other kind of stuff like that. And, and I've always kind of been like, you know, that's, that's some pro shit. You got your name on your bag and you're a 25 handicap. You know, why, why, why bother putting your name on your bag when you can't break 90? Uh, and Matt, you know, Matt's a pretty decent golfer too. So we, we kind of poke fun at each other about golf, but, uh, but initially the whole hashtag pro and pro neighbor and just the whole thing. Well, well, pro moderator. Well, pro, well so pro moderator kind of came after hashtag pro. Well, and yeah, pro yeah, we're going to talk about that because I know when that came up, but go, all right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought it's okay. Uh, but, but so, so Daniel Lyons is, he's an excellent fisherman and we're, our fishing styles are probably as far apart as, as <laughs> yet. I'm very instinctual and, and kind of fly by the seat of my pants, much like Jordan. And he is incredibly disciplined and very structured and technical, but he's very good fisherman. Real quick, both of y'all are Tennessee, right? We, we are. He lives yeah. down the street from me. That's hence the pro neighbor. He's, he lives. Well, there's no, no, I'm he, saying, uh, yeah, fuck, fuck Daniel. He ain't here. I'm okay. talking about you and Matt. Y'all are, y'all are Tennessee. Yeah, we're both Tennessee. Yeah, he's we're in Kingsport. Tennessee. I'm in Kingsport. And I'm okay. in Knoxville. Okay, is that close together? I mean, 100 I don't know. Miles. Mi he's 100 miles northeast of me. Yeah, okay. about an so, hour and a half. So yeah. y'all are fishing the same waters. All right. Oh, yeah. So yeah, for, we, for we, all the listeners, they're, they're TVA Lake Anglers. They're Tennessee. Probably much. right now, the mecca of professional angling as a whole. The Tennessee is, River is TVA. Yeah, it's a yeah. TVA. That's where everybody's moving. All right, continue with your story, good sir. So, so I used to fish some pro neighbor. Daniel has a, a 19 foot Phoenix and it happens to be yellow and gold and purple because he went to LSU Ugh. and, and his name is on his boat. Like some people's name. <laughs> <or their> <laughs> <laughs> and, and he gets, he gets, he gets bent out of shape when this comes up because he said, listen, he goes, you get, if you buy a new boat from Phoenix, they don't give you a choice but put your name on the boat. And I said, that is bullshit. You have to ask, have you name put on a boat or a golf bag or whatever else? And so you can take that shit off. You could. You don't have I mean, to, it, it ain't painted on. It's it is sticker. painted on. It's not a stick. Oh, but then they wouldn't know it was his. It might have some kind of metal welding embroidery. It's there. I mean, it said this Phoenix boat was built for Daniel Lines, and I'm like, wow. So um, we we fished some club tournaments together out of his boat, and I'm kind of like you. I'm not built to be a co-angler, and um, and so uh, so so he became pro neighbor due to the the name on his boat, and then <laughs> and, and then as as this whole thing evolved and. Um, and, and people beca became self-proclaimed, you know, PKAs, professional kayak anglers. I just kind of thought that was funny. And but, so but hold, any up, hold up, hold up, hold up real quick. I, I thought the PKAs came from somebody that labeled a few of the, the anglers. It did. PKAs. It did. 
It, well, it, it wasn't self-proclaimed is the story that I heard. Well, I, 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 it probably would depend on the individual and depend on who you ask. Uh, <laughs> however, um, I just, I, I'm really not hashtag pro. Hashtag pro is more of a culture or lifestyle. And if, <laughs> if, you post, if you post a, if you post a picture of a donkey fish on your social media, you're going to get hashtag pro because I like you and I know you. Now, so, some people, you know, I ain't get, got no hashtag pro, and I, I, you got to catch a big fish in the first. same house as you. Well, I mean, it, it is fishing related. Now, I've hashtag pro, you know, Matt's girlfriend on some shit she's done. So, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it, can, it can go outside of fishing, but you know, um, it's funny because even though I'm not hashtag pro, you know, when I go to tournaments, what's up, pro, what's up, pro, people call me pro, and that's so, okay. That's totally yeah. fine. But you are hashtag pro. Not one single motherfucker in this world would argue that shit. Don't say I'm not hashtag pro. That's it. Speaking it, of donkey catches, how about the, tell us about the fish you caught yesterday. So, um, I got to do some fun fishing yesterday and went to one of my favorite spots with uh, a, a really good friend of mine who just recently retired from the military. And he had a, a young kid with him um, that was 15 from, from just outside of Jackson, Mississippi. And he'd never caught a, a smallmouth or a spot. And so we got into some really skinny water. And um, this is a, a, an area that's uh, incredibly remote. Uh, my truck was the only truck in the, in the parking lot from, you know, nine o'clock until four o'clock, you know, which is rare these yeah, days. That must be nice. It is. You know, we, uh, first time we did this stretch of water, um, the guy that kind of turned it, turned us onto it was like, you're not going to see anybody down here. I'm like, yeah, right. And uh, about midway through the flow, there's three of us and we heard a, a, a motorboat. It was a jet boat. And, uh, and so we're like, well, I thought you said we we're going to hear anybody. And it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty rough. I mean, you need to know what you're doing to, to navigate this. Well, this guy in the jet boat was with his dad. He pulls up to the first guy at Kiker, who was a guy in front of me and stopped, you know, didn't wake super nice. Y'all catching them. How you doing? Just incredibly nice. We were probably 50 yards behind me and another guy were pretty close to one another. And he did the same thing. He eased up to us. Hey guys, you catch them. How's it going? Blah, 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 blah. As soon as he motored off, the guy behind me goes, man, you know who that was, don't you? And I was like, no, man, I don't know who that was. He said, <laughs> he said yeah, you do. And I was like, no, I don't know who it was. It was Wesley Strader. Huh. And I was like, you know, if Wesley Strader is driving, you know, an hour and a half from where he lives to fish here, we we, we in some pretty good water. <laughs> and so uh, mm -hmm. I'm pretty transparent about places I fish, but that's one I keep close to the vest. And uh, we uh, – we caught it. There is a, a generation, you know, aspect to this particular float and they weren't running any water. And we probably drug about a mile in a seven mile float because there was just no water. Uh, and it was a fairly stingy day. You know, we caught several fish between three of us, but just, it just, it was far and few between the bites. And uh, I had, um, I love throwing top water. Um, I throw a 130 trout whopper plopper all over the country mm. and, and I've caught some amazingly good fish on that lure. And, uh, I've been, been throwing that and, and just kind of getting some noncommittal bites. And I, I just did a tackle warehouse order and booger man buzz baits are back on the market. And, and that was probably the best buzz bait I've ever used. It's a, 
it's a head knocker. You know, it's just it just hits it knocks against the head. It's got a good blade. And uh, I take the skirt off of it. And um, that particular place, the fish typically aren't super picky. So I had some Kitek noisy flapper frogs. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put this gold buzz bait on and take the skirt off, put this frog on it, start throwing it. And I had but watch Swindle do his tutorial on um, on buzz baits. And I'd lost a lot of fish on topwater this year. And I bounced back and forth with braid and fluorocarbon and mono and this and that. And I set up a, a setup just like he said to do with 20 pound uh, sniper fluoro on topwater, which doesn't make any sense to anybody. Mm-hmm. I hadn't missed a fish since. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I caught that fish on. I caught that fish on that buzz bait. And Bill says you got to keep that rod tip at like 11, 11, 11 o'clock, too. Well, he flipped, you know, he flips them in, and I, I didn't have a net yesterday. I lost my net a couple trips out. I typically lose stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that fish. Yeah, how many nets have you bought? That's what I'm wondering. How many nets have you went through? I would say in seven years, between nets and the the horrifically designed, whatever that visicarbon pole with the light on it is, <laughs> I, have, I have, whoever designed that needs to be shot directly into the face, because that, <laughs> it's not a matter if you're going to break it, it's when, it's when you break it. So I would say in seven years, I have, I have at least broke six or seven busy carbon flags and I have <laughs> lost as many nets. And a lot of times the nets recover themselves because I typically buy the ones that float and the fine folks that are with me will be like, hey man, I got your net. Because I, I typically fish faster than my, my co-workers and so they'll get they'll they'll pick up stuff that I drop in the water. So <laughs> So tell us about the fish. Get to the fucking fish, man. Oh, you tell stories. You tell so, story longer than I do. This well, is a, yeah, you know, I, this is amazing. You told me to bring my A game. So, um, so, <laughs> so uh, uh, I don't know in North Carolina what they call a trophy or a citation fish, or if you have a program. But in Tennessee, they have a tarp program, Tennessee Angler Recreation Program, and so every species that's in the river system you can get a certificate for if you send a picture in showing that the fish was this given length and for a small mouth it's 20 for a large mouth it's 22 and for a spot it's 18 and that was a spot and that spot was 20 and three quarter and the kid that we were the kid that we we were with had a scale and it was four four pounds ten ounces Mm -mm. so that's my personal that's yeah and and they yeah they don't they don't typically get that big and I've been fortunate, and Matt's, Matt's known me long enough. You know, sometimes I don't catch a lot of fish, but I kind of have the knack to catch bigger fish. And I, I caught oh, a, yeah. I caught a, I caught that spot's a personal best. I caught a mean mouth uh, last May that was 20 and a half inches. That was damn near five pounds. It was a monster. Mm. And uh, some other people said they'd seen bigger ones, but that's that's a pretty daggone. For Tennessee, I mean, that's record territory. Now, they don't recognize that. As a species, they do recognize it. I looked this up. They recognize the mean mouth in Texas and and the Texas state record mean mouth until recently. I think somebody called a monster at Ivy, but it was like a five pounder that was 20 and a half or 21 inches. But somebody called, I think, an eight pound mean mouth at, at Ivy. And that place has been churning out gorillas. But yeah, it was just a buzz bait. You know, the, the, the water's crystal clear when we're fishing. Um, Saw a, saw a shady spot, and, and I was trying to make as long a cast as I could because I felt like we were spooking fish because the water was so clear, and uh, it just blasted it, you know, and and uh, took some good drag, kind of wrapped me around a tree a little bit, and kind of fortunately, 
it kind of you know it was out just as quickly it was in and and got it up and grabbed grabbed a hold of it and it was it was picture fish time yeah well i know gerald swindle listens to the podcast so gerald tell gerald thank you no, I you know, <laughs> no, no, I, no, seriously. No, tell that, Gerald, thank you, G Man. So I met G Man. I met G Man at down at uh, nicest guy in the world. We we funny story. We were fishing a Hobie at Kentucky Lake, and it was Jordan, a guy named Ben Davis that doesn't fish much with us anymore. My trailer broke and broke broke. We we called an Amish person <laughs> that did welding. We, we, we drove up. Oh, 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 whoa, 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 whoa! How? How the hell does an Amish person with no electricity do welding? Well, this this particular Amish individual had a, a, a very high-functioning farm. And <laughs> his wife made shepherd's pie and fed us all. And we ate like we were hungry because we'd been on the water all day and the tra- trailer broke. And, and we were we were headed back to our VRBO. And there's not much going on in, in Paris, Tennessee, at Kentucky Lake. But there's a place called Paris Landing. And, at you know... Typical is tournament. that where the Eiffel Tower is? Probably. Okay. I mean, no, no, no. The Eiffel Tower—that's Paris, France. This is Paris, Tennessee. It's a different place. It's a little, little, Paris, Tennessee is a little more high class than Paris. You know, uh, the, the other Paris. So, <laughs> y'all ate some Paris, Tennessee snails too, huh? So, long story short, the Triton Boat Owners Tournament was on Kentucky Lake at the same time the Hobie Tournament was on, and so. So everybody was kind of stressed out over the day and the shepherd's pie and the welding and the trailer. They're like, man, you guys want to get a drink? We're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's roll in here to Paris Landing. Well, all the pro trucks were there. I'm like, well, well this is interesting. And so, and, and of course, I don't know the pro guys like Matt does. Matt's wonderful about, he can tell you about anything. Jordan's the same way. But we go in there and Jordan goes, oh, my gosh, there's a table and it's got Swindle and Big Show and Casey Ashley and Randy Howe and all these boy Duckett and just, you know, on and on and on. And I was like, no, just calm down. And so, you know, I've been, I've been around the block a little bit. I tell the hostess, I said, boy. I said sit, sit us next to that big table. She said, no problem. I sent them around to drinks. And this was right before the last Bassmaster Classic, which was mm. featured in, in Loudon and Knoxville. And of course, you know, they couldn't ask a whole lot of questions and stuff. But long story short, those guys, we got some great pictures. And, and Jordan Marshall was probably the only human being in, in the world that knew Casey Ashley had an actual music CD. And they started talking about <laughs> that music CD. And it was just, it was just a great night. I mean, we had we had a, a, a ton of fun. And, you know, we, we told it was so funny because we told G Man that, that they should that Rapala should do a GT6 instead of a DT6, and it should be a Gerald Swindle line for Rapala. And he said, well, he said, you know, that is a good idea. He said, but I can nearly pretty much screw that whole deal up for everybody. <laughs> okay, well, whatever you say, sir. I just well, thought that was I, a good idea. You know, there's, there is no Ike hate on this thing. I have chastised <laughs> Alex for it. talking just... shit about Ike. I have got hate <laughs> messages from people on here. We Look, I will fight a bitch over Ike. <laughs> messenger. I'm just telling you what the man said. I will fight a bitch over Ike. Matt Millard, what dude? Tell us, tell us where you know, what brought you here to where you are today, sitting on this shitty podcast, number one in the Panama Canal, not Panama, just Canal. What what brought you here? What's your story, Hoss? Man, it's uh Probably a little different than a lot of people. Um, I feel like a lot of the guys that's fishing the Hobies have 
you know, a lot of experience and stuff. And I have fished off and on my whole life, but it was always just something to do. You know, some years I might fish two or three times at the, on the bank, you know, or whatever. My buddy bought a bass boat probably close to 10 years ago. And I would go with him some years. It might be two or three times. Some years it might be 10, but I shot a lot of uh, competitive archery from probably the time I was, 16 or 17 up until 2019 and so I've always had to like compete at something when I was in high school it was a lot of golf and then I got into the archery thing and I kind of started getting I felt like I'd went as far with that as I could and um, decided to you know pick up fishing a little more seriously and uh, I had gotten a kayak and started fishing some local stuff towards the end of 2019 and then uh, fished a full season locally in 2020, bought my used Hobie in 2020 and then uh, fished my first Hobie uh, when they had it on Watts Bar in 2021. So really I'm pretty green with the whole kayak fishing and fishing in general. You know, I've uh, kind of been a student of the game a little bit since I did pick it up. You know, I'm, always trying to learn something. So I feel like that sped up my learning curve a little bit, but, uh, you know, I hadn't really been doing it all that long. And, and if y'all go check out Matt's YouTube channel, you're going to see some deer hunting videos that the, <laughs> the production is like what you'd see on, you know, back in the day when ESPN, all dude, you had, you had it set up doing that. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, professional editing, different camera angles, the shots, the stuff. I mean, you what? Now, I know you really hadn't done that with fishing, but man, that was that was some pretty big stuff that y'all go check his stuff. out. you haven't posted stuff in a while. And we talked about this, but for for the folks listening, go check out his stuff because he put out some professional shit. Y'all need to go on all his social medias, and I'll post his phone number down in the link below <laughs> and text him to start doing this shit on some fishing videos because he put some, I mean, he, well, he was putting out there some good stuff. I mean, if he did what he was doing in the fishing world, it would be up there with 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 the, the YouTube folks in quality and what you got to see. I mean, it was pretty badass, yeah. man. He he does he does his his fish the fishing stuff that he's done. I mean, I, and I you know it's one of those deals, right? You know, I know Lambert had Blanchard and and Rudd on last night on KBN mm -hmm. and, and talked all YouTube and I, and nothing against those guys. I hadn't watched much of either one of those. Alex fishes some locally with us, um, but you know. Matt, the, the thing about like and I've watched some of Matt's fishing stuff. I mean, his fishing stuff is really good, and and mm -hmm. so many of the guys are not transparent with what they're doing. And then like Matt's, like I'm throwing a nine to fourteen rock crawler in red, you know, whatever the the, the specific color is, or I'm throwing a mega bass jerk bait, and he's I mean he's he's not only entertaining people with what's going on because he's a very good fisherman. He's educating people that, you know, may need the, the, the information to be like, well, gosh, if I'm fishing somewhere similar to this or sometimes during this, you know, this time of year, you know, would these techniques potentially work for me? And I think I think with bass fishing, you know, wired to fish 
and tactical bison are the two resources that 90% of guys go to. And, uh, you know, unlike kayak catfish and, you know, looking at it from an entertainment. Well, here we go. Well, I mean, from entertainers, but he's a, you know, Paul's a huge kayak catfish fan. He's, he's wanting some. I got my whiteboard out. I don't have nothing on it. I got some shit I got to buy, but I don't have nothing on it. Cause if I could find my fucking marker right now. Yeah. But, but no, it's, I think people go to those, those sites and they are, they're looking for an answer to a question. And so they're not necessarily tuned in for a period of time. It's like, okay. What drop shot hook shot you use? And they go to tactical bass wow. and then they've got a tutorial on drop shots. Or it's like, okay, I'm gonna get into swim bait fishing. And he's got twenty dollars swim baits up to three hundred dollars swim baits, you know. And Dude, of- I'm gonna tell you what you're talking about there has been huge for me. Like I was telling Paul a second ago, is you know, I didn't really start fishing seriously until the end of 2019. So you can speed up the learning curve so much with the stuff you're talking about. There's so much information out there for people that want it. And like you're saying, you know, tactical fastens huge, wired to fish is huge. There's a bunch of other ones now, but it doesn't matter what technique or what thing you want to learn. Like all it takes is a simple search and you can know everything you need to know about fishing that technique in less than 30 minutes. Now, whether you can go apply it, who knows, but you at least know the basics and the fundamentals and, you can kind of do with it what you want, but it's amazing now. Yeah. The educational side of fishing, if you look at the YouTubers, so, so we really have two, two sides in, in, in this podcast, Alex started this podcast based off of content creators. And so, you know, and, and we'll, we'll kind of get in some of y'all stories. Obviously we're talking about maps, but the content creation side and, and that goes, and a lot of people put content that create uh, creation out. But I've talked about this. Your content either needs to be entertaining, or it needs to be educational. And so we have the clickbait stuff where folks are out there fishing in these little ponds, catching big bass, and they got great thumbnails and this and that. Or you have the folks out, and, and that's it because bank fishing is actually the number one like lure bait. Oh, look at that big old puppy dog. What's up, girl? Sookie. <laughs> Sookie. Oh, shit. You're a True Blood fan. I love it. One of the greatest TV shows ever invented. True Blood, HBO. Go watch it. But you look at that and you have, well, who's that? That's Dixie. Little <laughs> <Hey-o. laughs> Dixie. Mm, my girlfriend. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> No, don't be sorry, dude. We we are pet friendly. Pets That's are right. always welcome on Bass and Brews. You go out with with the content. People want to be educated. They want to be entertained. And so you can you can get the basics you need to go out and throw a lure. Right. That's that's the biggest thing. A lot of people are fishing from the bank. So if they can take a, a technique to go fish from the bank, they're going to go try it. So what they're going to do? They're going to buy all that shit to go try this. Or you're like some of us and you're like, oh, swim baits. Hell yeah. You go buy a thousand dollars in rod and reels and swim baits and you go out there and be like, this fucking shit sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> but the education and all that and, and to take it back to kayak catfishing. And so if, if folks don't know, Eric knows kayak catfish, Justin. I 
when I when I wanted to, I moved to a quarter mile from the Savannah River in the Augusta, Georgia area. And and I started looking at fishing stuff. It had been years since I'd really fished, done a lot of fishing. He, for whatever reason, he, he popped up first. And he's out there, I think at that point in time, uh, wasn't a, ho- um, a PA. He was on the um, shit. Um, help he me out a, here. What's, he had an autopilot there for a bit, uh, Old Town. No, no, it was long before the autopilot. It was 2015. Yeah, it's hard it, to tell. What's, not, the, not the PA. What's the one? Outback. The, yeah, the outback. Outback. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, he popped up. And at this point in time, I don't know, he had 20,000 20, followers, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. But this dude was out there catching these monster-ass catfish in a fucking kayak. And I'm like, oh, what? What the hell? You know, I'm like, holy shit. Let me go watch some more of this shit. <laughs> but he he was, he is entertaining. But he said... He would show you where he was fishing, how what he was doing. And even to this day, you go watch one of his videos. He goes through the hooks, the line, the rods, the reels, where, why he's there, the the baits. You know, I mean, he does a lot of entertaining stuff, yes. And I think that's what keeps people watching that channel. But he is very educational. I mean, you know, that's that's a that's a cool thing about it. But here's the other thing. When it comes to fishing, people want to see people catch big ass fish. Bass, snook, it doesn't matter what you're doing. They want to see you catch and he catches big ass fucking catfish out of a kayak. It's just it's kind of amazing. It really is. He, you know, he's, uh, he's fun to fish with. I, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the things is like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know Matt without this. I wouldn't know Jordan or, mm-hmm. or, or you, Paul, for that matter. And, and Dude, you know, we're sitting here together because I, I, I had fished one national tournament. We started catfishing in 2021. This year I had one national tournament I could go to. Hopefully I can go to more next year and the years after, but I, I reached out like, I I I knew I was going to show up on Friday to Santee, but I I I, I texted Jordan and says, "Hey, dude, you know, um, I need a place to charge my shit up Friday night. Do you mind if I could? I'll sleep in the truck. I don't care. I just I just need somewhere to plug some shit in." He goes, "Dude, we got extra room." And so now us two, us three are sitting here because of that. Yeah, I mean, and and Jordan, and because of me being on this podcast, having Jordan on this podcast is the reason that happened. So you're right. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff happens in this small little world that we live in, not only fishing, but the kayak fishing side. People are very welcoming. Well, yeah, the only reason I even know Eric, well, I mean, I knew who Eric was even before, you know, before I met him, hashtag pros everywhere. Mm -hmm. But we got a mutual friend. And when I qualified for the TFC last year, um, he put in a good word for me that I, you know, might be able to split a room with him or something. And Eric sent me a message asking if I, you know, was looking for a place to stay. And I said, honestly, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, that'd be awesome. And, uh, went down there to the TOC last year and stayed together. And then we've traveled together to all but one tournament this year. So it's, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have that if it wasn't for kite or for 
you know, kayak fishing. And uh, like you said, everybody's welcoming. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, like I couldn't stay with them last last tournament and they had two uh, two other guys that stayed with them. It's just everybody's always willing to help each other out. And I think that's pretty different from a lot of, uh, you know, like the bass boat side of things and, and even other stuff. Uh, the, the community in kayak fishing is pretty special. Yeah. I think well, there's people, two I think people want to see people do well. Yeah, you know, they want to see people catch fish. They want to see people catch fish. They, they not as big as theirs, but they still want to see them catch them. <laughs> but, you know, it's like if I'm traveling with with Matt and Daniel and, and whatnot, and and whoever whoever's leading in the house after day one. I mean, like like at Chick, you know, I had an area that 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 I caught fish, and 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 I you know I just I had some really good bites on Saturday. I just didn't convert. In practice, I caught that double. I caught that 21 and 18 on the same cast. You know, mm -hmm. so I was like, maybe this is my week. And long story short, you know, Jordan Jordan had a better day than I did. And he goes, man, do you care if I, you know, kind of hit your area first? And I said, knock yourself out, brother. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, to me, you know, he would do the same thing for me. And so would Matt. And, um, you know, as, as these things get so much more populated, you know, having an area to yourself is, is, is a bonus, especially if it's, you know, if it's got fish. I mean, you, you figured that out, you know, Paul, when you fish Santee Cooper, I mean, you, I think you fished on top of people most of the day and you kind of, you know, had a nice little kind of sneaky ramp that not, not a ton of people knew about, but mm -hmm. it still had a fair amount of fishermen there. But, uh, but yeah, yeah I, had, I had some guy literally roll up beside me and start casting and then go right in front of me. It was wonderful. It was great. Yeah, welcome, to, welcome to welcome to national tournament fishing. Well, right, right, right. Well, a lot of people don't realize that looking from the outside. Like if you've never traveled to a Hobie or to a big kayak fishing event, you know you're showing up to a lake that you've never been to before. So you're trying to figure out how to catch fish. Number one, and then you've also got 199 other guys trying to do the same thing. And even though some of these lakes that we go to are rather large. You know, a lot of times they don't have that much access. And you mentioned the Bassmaster Opens earlier, and there's 235 guys or whatever it is in those. Well, they still got a 250 on the back. 250? No, okay, yeah, there's well, 250 in the Opens. Well, 250, but they still got a 250 on the back that they can make a 50-mile run if they want to, mm -hmm. and you can use the whole lake. Us as kayak anglers, depending on access – we don't have that much of the lake that we can physically yeah. get to. So it crams a lot of people in there and that, that really changes things. So it's not like you're just trying to find the fish, but you're trying to find something that's not going to get beat up too bad or didn't get beat up too bad for the guys that's been practicing for a week and a half. I mean, it, it's, there's a, catching, so much that goes into and catching it. everything like, Absolutely. I, like four days straight. You see posts on the internet. 90 inches, 85 inches, 100 inches, blah, blah, blah. Tournament data comes around. It's like, man, I had a great practice, but for the last two days, I've caught two fish. <laughs> we we joke of, we, we joke about winning yeah. practice. You know, we, we – Oh, yeah. We, yeah, you know, Dan, Daniel, Daniel, excellent fisherman, and he tends to win practice. You know, we give him a hard time. <laughs> hey, that's um, been me too. Well, I mean, I wouldn't practice the chick after having that crazy day with those two. You know, we we practice on Memorial Day, and I, I pretty much won practice on chick. But, but I mean, so you know, the other thing I was going to bring up, which I talked to AJ with Hobie a little bit about earlier in the year, is like you know, 
I'm blessed that I have the financial resources to do this and not put a tremendous amount of thought in, in where I'm staying or what tournaments I fish or how much entry fee is. But some of the other folks, man, it's like you leave the house for a national tournament between food, equipment, fuel, VRBO, it's a thousand dollars minimum, you know, and, and even if you're camping or doing this and that and the other, and like, you know, you know, Paul kind of jumped right in with us. We always like to have a steak dinner one night and he, he brought, Phenomenal steaks, which you know, kudos to him. That was the highlight. Jay, of the hey, trip. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my boy Josh Quattlebaum. Good stuff. If you if you yeah, are in good. if you're in the Murray Murray Lake Murray area of South Carolina, Saluda area of South Carolina, JQC Farms, Josh Quattlebaum, grass fed raises them. Though them steaks were, mm, yeah, and. And my boy Eric here cooked that shit up right. We thought we was going to grill them, and I showed up, and they showed me the grill out back because, because y'all, Eric travels with a cast iron pan. <laughs> he brings a cast iron pan. story. I'm so glad because if we would have had to grill them bitches out, we'd have been eating at 2 o'clock Saturday morning on that Hey, did he tell you about the, the VRBO owners? Tried to charge him extra because of the fire alarm or some yeah, crap we, went we, off. We, you know? may, we, we may or may not have been accused of setting that place on fire because yeah, we, they thought there was a small fire. Well, I, I had a I had a little bit of a come to Jesus meeting with with the folks at um, so VRBO outsources to another outfit called Evolve, and it's a, it's a, it's a little bit squirrely to say the least, and. So I get this this nasty gram saying that that they were going to charge us, you know, $150 extra cleaning fee and that they were going to send all these pictures. And I was like, you know what? I was like, you know, one thing we don't do is mess people's stuff up. And so if you remember, there was a knob on a cabinet that fell off that had probably been there for 73 years. And yeah, I think it was, was a, yeah. Yeah, that, that bitch was in there since the house was built. Yeah, and we couldn't figure out how to get it back in. And so we said, I, we, I, you know, whenever everybody left, kind of set it up on the kitchen counter. And then, you know, when we were fixing those steaks, we had the door open, we had the, the air on, the smoke was going everywhere, and the smoke alarm was going off. So we pulled the smoke alarm off of, you know, the wall. And of course, that's a violation of your agreement. And long story short, they charged us like $73 prior to everything for insurance for damages. And I'm like, well, what's the $73 insurance? Why do you want to charge us another hundred dollars? Long story short, they they charged me and then they credited me back after we had some conversations. And I said, I said, it, one of two things is going to happen. I said, you're going to take care of this hundred fifty dollars, or I'm driving. To, I'm driving to talk to the owner. I said, it's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a real job and I, I have money. I got, I will I got all the time in the world. I said, you want me to drive back to South Carolina have a talk with the owner? I'm happy to do it. Well, what was great, too, when we were cooking those steaks, which was so awesome, and this is a testament to Eric, is I think, Matt, wasn't it you? Didn't somebody text you or didn't somebody tell you, man, we smelled those steaks when they were staying across the road? Yeah, they, they okay. were standing across the street. Yeah, and they texted Jordan. Oh my god! Maybe commented good. on Facebook and said that they yeah, smelled yes, good. Yes, Facebook. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what it yeah, was. We, we posted a couple of pictures, and we had some guys staying across the street from us, and, hey, Santee Cooper, the wind blew like crazy. And, I mean, it was white capping out there, and it was blowing straight towards those <laughs> guys. Towards I think those were some West Virginia guys. And they, <laughs> they, could, they could smell the, the goodness. Let me tell you something. I mean, I, I've, I've kind of pride myself. I think Paul is a good cook and likes to – maneuver with spices and different stuff and i kept giving him a hard time about screwing these steaks up and uh man those were fantastic i mean i, I my, my <laughs> local butcher here butcher here started carrying some wagyu strips and wagyu ribeyes yeah. i mean they look just like what you brought you know they had so much marble in them it looked like a spider web in that in that red and i mean that's just some good stuff so and 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 that leads me to this leads me to something i didn't even think about till you just said this and it but it, it something that you said when you travel, you said when y'all stay together, when y'all have a group, you know, a lot of people go out and do this and stuff. But you said, yo, you know, when y'all have a house of group of people, y'all always cook out one night and you typically bring steaks and cook steaks and have that, you know, to have. And so there's two things. Something back up because I just remember something. So when I texted Jordan that he says, hey, man, just come stay at the house. We got you know, we got room. And I was like, oh, shit, hell yeah, Let, great. Let me know how much, I'll do it. And I said, well, who's staying there? And he texted me y'all's names. We had never, the two of us, the three of us, me and y'all two had never met. He texted me the names. I'm like, holy shit. You're like, I know who these people are. And I knew Matt from, because I got, so Matt, I got the catfishing uh late December of 2020, 2021. So obviously I'd seen your name, got into KBN and all the, the stuff and seen your name. But I had known Eric from him and Jordan doing a a, a bank fishing trip with Catfish. And that's where Pro Moderator came about. Because I believe, I believe fucking Catfish made like $2,500 that day that 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 Eric moderated that channel, they were on there live with shitty fucking pixelated internet for two hours. Didn't catch a fish on camera. And I watched every fucking minute of it. Every minute. And you know why? Because Eric. Eric was the fucking funniest shit I have I have seen in a long time up to that point. So so funny the funny thing about that was is you know I so kayak catfish came out and fished some of our weeknight events with us, you know, and, and I, I didn't, I, I don't know anything about YouTube. Don't know anything about podcasts. I'm a little bit old school and, you know, my undergrads in marketing, I've got an MBA and I'm a fairly quick study. And, and so, you know, I start talking to Justin a little bit about what he's doing. I'm like, man, you're making money doing this. And he's kind of like, yeah. And we're talking to, you know, trying to figure out how we can, you know, use fishing as a tax write off. And of course, you know, with the YouTubers and content and all that stuff, we had a guy that, fishes with us as an accountant. And that was kind of the first, you know, first kind of thing together. And he was telling me about, you know, how hard it was to go live and, 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 you know, answer the questions because they're coming in so fast and everything else. And I was like, man, I was like, I was like, you need a moderator. I said, you know, I, said, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I said, you know, let's give it a whirl. And, um, and so the first one we did, he came to the house, we grilled steaks and, and uh, we just, we just probably shot the breeze for, you know, a little while and we we had i don't know four or five or six hundred dollars you know come mm. through the super chat and and at that point you know people were calling him donations he was calling him donations and uh 
you know, I love the guy to death, but I mean, he's, you know, YouTube takes a, a, a very generous portion of that money. And, and, you know, he's trying to do this for a living and he looks at it as his business, but long story short, um, we did it and, and, and his, his audience seemed to take to me and it's hard. It's it, that is a hard thing to do because you've got five, 600 people in that chat. You've got sidebars going on. You've got trolls. You've got, I mean, you know, all this stuff, Paul. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not easy. And, um, and so, so we, we kind of had some chemistry and, 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 you know, people were asking me stupid stuff and they were talking about, you know, stuff with catfishing and whatnot. And then he said, man, why don't you go fishing with me? And I'll never forget that. That was literally New Year's Eve of probably 20, probably 2020 or 2021. Yeah. No, yeah. It was 2020 or 2021. Yeah. And and people and what was crazy and we and we didn't we didn't put any thought into it whatsoever but but it just so happened it was it was New Year's Eve and uh, Jordan could come out there with us and he was toying around starting a YouTube channel and and um, I subscribed we, that motherfucker and still ain't seen no videos. Yeah, he he struggled <laughs> with the GoPro system. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean he's a, I mean Matt knows this. I mean he's a damn bull in a china shop. But I mean. The, <laughs> You know, Matt, Matt is Matt is very organized. If you look at his tackle, I mean, it looks like he might have a, a condition or two when it comes to OCD. I mean, he's got he's got he's got tackle box. I, I'm reasonably organized. I mean, it's like, man, I I, I don't even want to look in there. It's it's just too pretty, you know. He's got Jordan, Jordan had a fucking bag. Jordan got shit from six years ago in the bottom of his kayak, you know. But um, but but Jordan is the Matt Robertson. Of That's kayak right. fishing, like if if he had a personality on the Bassmaster Elite Series, it's Matt Robertson. Matt Robertson, like when he he won on Lake Cherokee here in the Opens, and he literally fished out of a Walmart bag. Like he went and bought he had, he like got a bunch of stuff stolen before that. So like he went and bought a bunch of shit from Walmart and like threw it in a bag and that's what he fished out of. That's Jordan. <laughs> we we'll, we'll tell you a story about Memorial Day. So we we put in at a very sketchy ramp way up river on Ch- uh, Chickamauga, and we had our motors and we had this we had this terrific plan and 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 we were so thrilled when we, we drive into this sketchy ramp. It's a really nice neighborhood. Feeling good about not getting the burglarized. You know, we fished from about six to two get back to the ramp and, and I've got a soft cover on my truck and his truck was parked right next to mine. I mean, like you could touch his truck from my truck. Well, the crackheads just blistered up his, his bed and he had, he had so much shit in the back of his truck. (laughs) He was like, he goes, man, I don't think they got anything. It was about, it was about four days later. He figured out not only did they get some shit, they got all of his fishing stuff. He had five or six reels. He had a bunch of lures and all this bunch of line too, damn bunch of line. But what's funny is, what's funny is, is it wasn't no quick job. Like Uh -uh. they cut a fucking square. They cut the square out. Like it wasn't no just slash and grab. They, (laughs) they. They he do. said some of his shit was sitting in the parking lot next to the yeah. truck. So like, yeah, they, the yeah there was a boot and a shoe and this and that. And I'm like, we need to survey the parking lot, make sure we pick stuff up because I mean, it was just like, 
And I'm thinking, I know if, if, if they got his truck, my truck's wrecked too. And my truck was just like it was. And I've started rolling my top up and taking everything out of the back. I'm like, you know what? I want you to know there's nothing back here. So, you know, if you want to bust a window and see what's in the cab, knock yourself out. But it's like not getting into politics or anything else, but they just, these, these criminals aren't getting in trouble. And it's like, you know, they're, they're, these boat ramps are in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, they see it's it, hard. They see, it's, yeah, it's hard to police a boat ramp. And, it is. And, you it know, is. Yeah, it's very hard to police a boat ramp. And when we roll up, you know, what's different, what a huge, what's a huge, one of the huge differences between boat fishing, kayak fishing is when, when those guys roll up in a 20, 22 foot bass boat, all their shit, their garage, their shit is in the boat. Yeah. With the kayak stuff, on a tournament especially, we bring a lot of stuff. If you get to practice, you bring a lot of stuff to figure out, you know, what's going to work. Yeah. Well, you can't bring all, you can't necessarily bring all your shit on the kayak. No. It doesn't fit. And so you have to put it in your, in your truck. And that is, I was a police officer back in the day. People look in vehicles and they yep. choose which ones they're going to break into, and they choose the ones that have shit in it that looks of value. Yeah. And when you're kayak fishing, I mean, that, damn, Drew Gregory rolls around with like eight kayaks on a trailer behind like a, a Toyota Subaru or something. Dude, we got a <laughs> so we've got I a mean, boat you know, ramp here. We've got a boat ramp here in Northeast Tennessee. In Upper Northeast Tennessee, you probably got two. Two places that you might have a legit chance at catching a 10-pounder. And one of those places is super backwoods, notorious for people shit getting broke into. And honestly, when I go there, yeah, and it was a big deal for a long time. And they actually ended up setting up and catching a guy out of there probably four or five years ago now. But it's it's still an issue because it's in the middle of nowhere. And I've got to the point where I do like Eric. I just I leave my doors unlocked. Like yeah. I just I make sure there's just nothing in the truck, you know, make sure the bed covers unlocked. But yeah, I mean that way that way they ain't fucking nothing up. At least they go in and there ain't nothing to take. They take some change. Exactly. Whatever. So yeah, that's crazy. I'd rather them go through my truck and have to replace a windshield, you know. Yeah. yeah, especially especially after fishing. I'll, I'll think about it on a Sunday. You fish for two days straight. You get back at the ramp on a at four o'clock on Sunday, and you got you know your driver's side windows busted out, and you got an eight hour drive back home, and it's yeah. going to be raining the whole time. You know, what I mean, you ain't getting well, that you, shit replaced. You figure with with the way things are now, and and I'm a big proponent. Matt seen. I like to travel light as light as possible. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, if, if, if you're using a motor to practice, you got your motor and your battery, mm-hmm. you know, and so like, it, you know, on, on Sunday, if you're packed up to go after you fish, which many times you are, you know, you got your 65 corridor Ryan cooler in there. You've got, you know, you've got your motor, you got your battery, you've got whatever rods and reels you don't think you're going to use that particular day. And so it's, I mean, it, you know. I've been fortunate, you know, I hadn't been burglarized, but I mean, it's, 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 it, it happens way, I mean, way too much, you know, and it's, and, and you talk about a sick feeling. <clears throat> I mean, well, it's a worry thing. every time, yeah. especially like what Eric's saying, you're, 
you pack up on Saturday night to leave mm-hmm. on Sunday after All a hobby's over with. Yeah, I mean, I, I worry about it every time, and there's just no good way. And, and that's the thing, too, because you're parking on the side of, of the road at a bridge or, you know, these remote ramps and stuff and kite fishing where in bass boat worlds are launching from the same place, and there's people there. There are big ramps. There's a lot of people there, you know, mm-hmm. just in general. Uh, take Taking a step back, Matt, what do you have coming up? Like, what are what what national trails are you fishing? What are you looking to fish for? What what local stuff do you have coming up that you're in a race for? Or looking to get the TOC? What do you have coming up fishing? Man, I I kind of uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty new on the the kayak deal. And last year, well, 2020 was the first time I fished a full year. And I fished full local stuff. And then last year, 2021, I fished the one Hobie on Watts Bar and qualified for that TOC. Then fished the TOC, done pretty well in it. So I was like, man, I need to fish some more of these events, you know. So this year I kind of made a little bit of a sacrifice on local stuff in order to be able to travel to more national events. So, you know, I fished, I think, four local or semi-local events this year. And you know, some of the night fishing stuff's kind of starting up, so I may hit a couple of those. I'm going to hit the um, Bass Nation Championship on Chick in August. And then on the Hobie side, we're signed up for Susky. Uh, we're going to be going up there next mm-hmm. month, I think. I, I hadn't really looked too much into it just yet. But depending, I'm kind of on that. I need one more good tournament. I need uh, another good tournament to get back into the TFC. And, uh, you know, I was hoping it wouldn't come down to Susky because I feel like I'm a little bit better on the lake than I am the river. I just don't fish the river as much. Hmm. But, you know, anything possible. But depending on how Susky goes, I may try and pick up Dardanelle at the very end of the year, Mm -hmm. just kind of see how things go. But we're kind of getting to that point where things are winding down. I'm, I'm starting to kind of have an eye towards the fall and, and hunting season, but I've got some uh, fishing stuff still left to do, but there's definitely more of it behind us than ahead of us. Are you not planning on fishing? I can't remember what river it is, but the West Wisconsin, isn't it? Are you not fishing that one? Wolf and Fox. Yeah. Wolf and Fox. I I don't think so. Um, I think if I pick up but that's something after extra, Susky, so does Susky maybe necessitate if you go up there? How would yeah, you do on that? Honestly, if I mean if I suck at Susky, which honestly, if I can put myself, you know, I'm gonna be honestly, I'm gonna be relying on Jordan and Eric to some degree on that tournament because they're you know, they are river guys. They love it. Now I've fished river, you know, a fair, a fair yeah. amount. But they are river guys. So I feel like if I can, you know, either rely on them to do an A to B float, that way I can have somebody to get me to a vehicle or whatever. But I feel like if I can get in an area, I can catch fish. I don't care if it's a river. I don't care if it's the ocean or I don't care if it's a lake. I feel like I can catch them. But um, I feel like if that doesn't go well, I think Dardanelle, from what little bit I've, I've looked at it, would probably be a better, you know, a better option for me if I need to try and get some last minute points. Well, if you need homework on Dardanelle, just go check out Fish the Moment because probably yeah. a quarter of his information is on Dardanelle. 
But you did. Yeah. You do also talk about catching fish. You were you at CNT. You were fishing an area that I'm to to my knowledge the people I talk to and you know, seeing and obviously talking to you. You were like the only one in the area that you were fishing on CNT, and you you caught good fish. The problem was you lost the fish that you needed in that area. Yeah. I- I'm gonna tell you about that's something to say to what you just said about being able to find fish and catch fish. Well, to find fish, you know, is one thing to get them in the boat because you're in an area. I think you said you didn't see a lot of people, and I didn't. I don't know a lot of people that were in that area on Santee either. So that's that's pretty awesome, dude. Santee, we were so close to that being the best tournament. Of the year, uh, we were so hair off. close because, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, we had an awful stretch of of weather. It seemed like on the first few tournaments, and the Bassmaster Elite Series had just the weekend before absolutely smashed them. You know, mm-hmm. and there was a, a big cold front that moved in. I think Thursday night or Friday. Friday, Friday. I had Y'all a great that damn that lake was angry as fuck Friday afternoon. Dude, I had a great practice on Thursday in that area. I ended up fishing, and uh, I marked a bunch of bedfish and stuff, and I had a few different areas. Well, when I put in there on Saturday, the water temperature had dropped like eight degrees from what it was on Thursday when I fished. And not only that, but the water had dropped, and and the water Mm -hmm. level had dropped. And all those bedfish had pulled off, and it made it a lot tougher, and it should have been a, a lot better tournament. But the reason I ended up where I ended up was the Elite Series, all of those guys, you know, if you watch the final day, all of them were on the upper lake on, on mm-hmm. Lake Marion. And I knew, you know, because those guys were concentrated in a couple of areas, our kayak guys and girls are super resourceful. They watched a lot of that, and if not all of it, you know, at least all the big guys. So, you know, I knew that there was going to be more people on the upper lake than the lower lake, and I had a buddy of mine that lived down there, and uh, from what he was telling me, the lower lake was running a little bit behind of what the upper lake was. The upper lake was full-blown spawn the weekend before, so I felt like the lower lake would probably be hitting at the right time, so – it was so close to working out and, and being a good tournament. And like you said, I lost a, you know, a big fish that would have been my fifth right at the last mm-hmm. minute on Saturday. I'd been in the top 10. Then I lost two keeper fish on uh, Sunday, you know, in the last couple hours that would have put me back in check range. So if I catch any one of those three, you know, it'd be a little bit different story, but you know, that's, that's yeah. the way it goes. And I fish at the the southern end of I had two ramps. I had one at the so I think I got I literally crossed um the bridge at three o'clock on Friday. And that was when it fishing was done. Mainly because I had to go pick up y'all's fucking steaks. That took like two hour, two and a half, three hours out of my time. But anyway, it doesn't Thank matter. You, sir. I came down have a good time. But I I if I wasn't so it had been a while since I'd fished topwater and even longer since I fished a frog. Like I could have been, I would have had 70 something inches if my, my sorry ass fishing ass had caught those three frog fish. Cause I'd have had four. 
I'd have been up there and I'd have gone back to that same place, but the other day I want to go check something out. So that that southern end of the lake, I had it had some fish in it that were up and willing to bite. And but uh, you know, where I was was protected from the wind. And then I tried to fish down in there in the wind. It was just it was tough, man. I mean, it just the water was milk chocolate. So I only talked to bite. one other guy on the kayak that whole time. And uh, he cut a check that tournament. Like me and you him were, basically yeah. had, me and him basically had the same tournament. He just landed his fish, and yeah. I forget what place he was in, but it was probably you know tenth to fifteenth. I don't know. Because you said that one, that fifth fish you lost at the boat. You said it was like twenty one inches. I mean, it's a big fish. Yeah, I mean, it was a twenty inch fish. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could have been whatever. But he jumped. Was it was. That was that first day where we had those 30-mile-an-hour winds. And yeah, it was rough. He bit with about five five minutes left. And when I set the hook on him, you know, I'm pulling on him, you know, leaning into him. And I get off the pedals to stand up and land it because I didn't really have all that much line out. You know, it's halfway back to the boat. Mm-hmm. And when I stand up to land him, that wind starts pushing me back. You know, it's blowing, ripping 30 miles an hour at the second, at that second. So not only am I leaning on the fish, but the wind's blowing me back, putting even more pressure on it. And I've got like a five-pound fish that jumps two foot out of the water, 10 foot away from my boat. I felt like I could damn near reach out and grab it. So I got a pretty good image of what that fish looked like. And, you know, I'll be honest, I was pretty disappointed after that tournament, you know, because I felt like Mm -hmm. I was really close to having a really good tournament. But – when I got to, you always think about the ones you didn't get or the ones that you messed up on. But, you know, as I was driving home on that one and the days after, it kind of takes me a day or two to process whatever goes on in the tournament. Because when you're in the moment, you're fishing and the weekend goes by so quick, you know, you don't really get to digest it all till later. And uh, I got to thinking about, you know, some of the good decisions I made because like on Saturday, you know, I had two good areas that I'd found in practice and, you know, about, I had, I got down to about an hour and a half left on Saturday and I had two fish and I'd fished everything I'd practiced on and it just wasn't happening. All those fish got pulled out. I couldn't refind them. And there was another area I'd practiced that was about a 45 minute one way pedal to get to. Uh, mind you, an hour and a Back half left. Down. The, the other yeah. way too. The, the other, other direction from yeah. the ramp. So I'm going right. to go 45 minutes one way, the, the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. And so then paddle back against like, it. Yeah. Right. So I was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to do it. I got to at least give myself a chance, you know. So I'm just pedaling as hard as I can pedal. And I'm going across this big flat. And you, if you anybody that's listening to this has ever fished Santee, you've got so much just dead water, flat, nothing, you know. And I'm going across one of these flats, and it, I notice it gets just a foot or two deeper. And then I see one random ass piece of brush in the middle of this flat. And I'm going like four miles an hour, wind at my back, you know, <laughs> as fast as I could go. And I'm like, I see that brush. I grab my rod real quick, and I just get off the pedals, and I flip in there. And by the time I go to pick up on it, it's almost behind me, and it's got tension to it. So I like half-ass hook set, you know. And when I pull up on it, this thing comes up and jumps. And I was like, it's a big one, you know. And I get it in. It was like a 21 or 21-something-inch fish. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we got a chance, you know. And I 
at that time we probably had 45 or 50 minutes left and went to the dock i was trying to get to and flipped in there caught another one and i was like i got four shit i could get a limit this has been a terrible day you know but i made that decision to paddle over there and and so for folks listening it was a tough day one now day two it was tough yeah day two day two some people absolutely fucking wrecked them but that saturday was tough so 75 inches got you i think in the top 20 yeah i had 70 some inches on four fish yeah yeah Yeah. i mean and i lost that one at the end of the day yeah yeah. So I mean I made that I was thinking about the lost fish and the and the stuff that eats at you, but where I was getting at with that is I made mm. a really good decision to do the tough thing and go the opposite mm. direction 45 minutes to only be able to fish 45 minutes and that worked out. You know, it gave me a chance. So there was a lot of stuff I'd done well, so you can't get too hung up on the lost fish and stuff. And that's another thing with the kayak fishing too. You know, you think about pedaling 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour to a spot to fish in the last, you know, two or three hours of the day. And you get there in in the back of your mind, you're like, shit, you know, if I go in and in 45 minutes, most of us are going to cover two to three miles uh, pedaling without a motor you're mm-hmm. going to be two or three miles and you think about it in the back of your mind like shit if i go two or three more miles i got an eight mile pedal back yeah against the wind to get it back. took me an so hour and a half it took me an hour yeah. and a half to get back from right there to the ramp and then yeah. where i was fishing from the house was like an hour away from the house. So, I mean, it was like every day I was getting back late as shit. But, I mean, yeah, you, you know, got back late that, as that's just where sure. it ended up. You know, so, the, 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 th- the thing about what he is saying, which I really like the way the, the Hobies have, have chosen to do it, is – you know, you you can fish to the buzzer, you know, and you're and you're not you're not on the hook to be back at a certain period of time. And I mean, I really think that's uh, the right way to do it because you can make on the water moves that maybe others wouldn't make that sometimes pay off and sometimes don't pay off. I can remember fishing the Seminole Hobie on Sunday had a, a, a lackluster Saturday, but I was having a really good Sunday, and and I was about to run out of time and, and wanted an upgrade or two and, and just made a Daniel saw me pro neighbors. Like I know where you're going. And I just started pumping it and I, and I made a run and got to an area and probably had 15, 20 minutes to fish it, but ended up catching a couple fish, you know, which, which made, you know, a, a top 25 finish. And, you know, with this as difficult as it is to get points and finishes and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's uh it allows anglers to take the approach. I'm not giving up until two o'clock or three o'clock, whenever lines out is, because if you catch, yeah. you can, I've, I've done it. I did it at, at Seminole last year on Saturday. I caught a fish at three o'clock in seconds, you know, and I took like eight pictures of it. And, and but my ninth picture was three Oh one. And the eighth one was decent enough to count, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, you know, and, that may have been the difference of making the TOC that particular year. So it's you really be willing to grind it out to the buzzer, like no matter yeah. what, you know, if it, if you think you need to make a move, you need to do it. You, whatever that gut instinct is, you got to go with it. I want to come back to that from a tournament side. And I want to come back to that real quick, but Eric, 
let's let's what do you have like do you think you're going to be able to sneak into the TOC this year I know you got the 10 cat trophy behind you you know the local tournaments what's coming up for you nationally what's coming up for you locally uh go through that and then we're going to come back because I know Eric Eric's got to leave early because he's got an early flight out but Talk about that, and then we're going to come back and talk about grinding out those last days with some, quote-unquote, etiquette for how we fish around people who are winning versus not winning. But just to throw that out there, but Eric, what what do you have coming up nationally? What do you have coming up? Because I, I think you're only fishing the Hobies. But what, what do you have coming up, and where do you see yourself finishing? And show us your, your nice, beautiful trophy in the back. Well, I got a few back here. I don't know what all you can see, but uh, <laughs> a couple of ten cat local trails. This this one's probably one I'm most proud of because I, I won angle of the year in 2020 in ten cat, and that's you know that's beating beating Jordan and Pro Neighbor and some other good fishermen and fishing for soldiers. I got a second place trophy. I won chick when I caught a ten pounder. Uh, I had 62 and change and three fish that particular day, but I had a 24 and three quarter as part of those three. Jeez. Dude, so that was, that was, that was a, double, a double digit on tournament day. On tournament day, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm gonna be right there. In fact, there were three 10 pounders caught that day, and, and two of the guys that caught them along with me, I know them pretty good. And they were like, they just, they, they for some reason, it was April. It was perfect. And I hooked this fish, somebody had threw out a couple of Christmas trees and it swam through one of them and moved it. And I was like, this can't be, I was like, this, I was like, this can't be, I said, this can't be a bass. And then I saw it and I'm freaking out. Yeah. Well, I, I landed ungracefully. It was a shit show. I, I misnet it six times and I finally got my hand in my mouth. And I, I, I had the death grip on it. And I was like, I've never caught a 10-pounder, but I said, this is not a 10-pound fish. I don't know what one is. And Pro Neighbor broke his native rudder cable at the at the launch. I call him. He's got a scale. I was going to get pictures of this fish. As I'm pedaling through it, I was fishing real shallow, and, and I caught my, my fin on the bottom, and it ripped the, the fin off, and I, I had one fin. <laughs> He's like a mile away. I'm crippled. I got this poor fish on fish trips. He's coming at, at, at 0.5 miles an hour, and I'm going 0.5 miles an hour. So, you know, an hour later, we hook up, and we get the photos, and the fish swims away. I mean, it was oh, – You was, said you had this bitch on fish grips. Did you have it on fish grips also with your hand hanging out, holding on to it? Or I had seven <laughs> pictures of it on the board, and, and I thought, you know what? I, I trust the fish grips, so, I, you know, they, they worked beautifully. <laughs> I, I didn't lose the fish. But for, for me, um, so um, it, it's funny, you know, I, I fish a lot, and sometimes I get my name on lists to qualify for things and thinking, you know, how did that happen? And uh, I think I actually qualified two ways for this Bass Chickamauga event. <laughs> I, I fished the tournament he fished in, and I fished, I, you know, I, I'm working on positive thinking, and I fished clean. I caught a bunch of fish. I had a limit about the same time Matt did in the morning, and I was catching them on top water. I just didn't get any quality bites. I had 73 inches. I think I come in 16th in the in the Bass Nation event, but uh, I came in second in the Cass State in 2021, and the top 15 got an invite in to the, to the Bass State Nation deal at Chick in August, and so I'll fish that with Matt. 
going to Susky, and I, and, and you know, this is going to sound strange, and I don't care to say it. That's the one tournament that I think I could win. Um, if it fishes anything like it fished last year, um, I know how to catch smallmouth. I know how to fish rivers. Um, that is a tournament where most people catch a limit, but you have got to catch quality limit to compete. And that suits smallies. That suits me. You know, that suits how I like to fish. Um, Absolutely. And and last year I had, I think I finished in the top twenty five. Uh, Susky, but on Saturday I had two 12-inch fish in my in my five fish limit, and I had two monsters that shook loose on Saturday, and then Sunday I had like 95 or 96 inches, which was in the top four or five. And you know, we all practiced together, we all fished, you know, similar stretches of river. Um, what I don't know about Susky is, you know, the water conditions, the water level, and I think it can fish drastically different based on water level. So my fingers are crossed; it'll fish similar to last year. Uh, that there'll be no sneaking in TOC for me. I'm gonna have to have a top three finish, and that's how I'm gonna fish the the, the last ones that I fish. Uh, Jordan, you can do that, you know. I mean, like yeah, I can, that, you know, that you know when, I, when I when I qualified, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing well, to I, lose, right? When I when I qualified for TOC the first year they had it, I qualified with a fifth place finish at uh, Gunnersville, and um, fish clean. I, I caught fish the way I like to catch them. I picked a place where I had to myself. Uh, Josh Stewart won that event. Uh, I could have easily come in second, you know, based on the bites that I got. Steve Owens had a career day on Sunday and had like 102 inches and jumped like mm. 35 spots and finished second or third, which is great guy. Look, that was, that's, you know, you remember stuff like that. You know, I mean, he, he blasted him in the grass on a damn underspin swim bait, caught five mm. over 20, you know, and you may go your whole fishing career and not do that, especially in a tournament. Um, so, you know, I, I know it's there to, 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 to finish in the top tier. And I beat those guys that are, that are competing against. And so, um, so well, I'm going to fish a fishery too, which is, that's, it is, that's it's, a, it's a perfect tournament for him. Yeah. It really is. And, you know, last year we, we you know, we kind of reflect back on where we had the most fun. And obviously, you know, a lot of times that's where you've caught the best fish, but Seminole, you know, oddly enough is is very river friendly because you can fish the flint or the chattahoochee or you can fish the main lake and we fished the flint river and um that that was a place where on saturday i had the bites to really compete and just just didn't land the fish uh you know last year was a lot different than this year you know last year um i I fished like mad i fished consistent i had some quality finishes I, i i didn't really have a tremendous amount of stress in tournaments. And even the, my worst tournament was Hartwell and Hartwell. I had two big fish on, on Saturday and Hartwell, I think 80 inches was like top two or three on Saturday. And I would have had 83 or four inches. If I landed those fish, I had one on a buzz bait, come straight up and come off. And I had one on a crankbait shake loose, but that's, that's part of it this year. I didn't get a damn bite at Fork. I didn't get a damn bite at Lido <laughs> I fished in the same area as Pro Neighbor, and he wrecked him on Saturday, and I didn't get a bite. And I mean, and we, like I said, our fishing styles are, are much different. I caught a 20, what would I catch, a 22 or 20, 21 and three quarter in practice at, at Toledo. I, you know, I've, I've still caught yeah. some big you fish. You caught a big. 
but and Santee Cooper was was just dreadful for me. And I, you know, Jordan's Jordan's within six feet of me first thing in the morning. He's done caught two fish on a methylate or however you say that floating worm, that little orange floating worm, and that dirty water. Methylate. Methylate. He can thank me for that one. Yeah. 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 Look, that's a lot of miles <laughs> to put together for a country person, methylate. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, let me ask you something real quick, Eric, uh, before you get into your local stuff. Why the fuck does it look like you got on your head? That damn, do, do y'all remember the Sandlot? Matt, you younger than me and him. You younger, look, pro, pro, hashtag pro's old enough to be your, your grandpa. But <laughs> y'all remember Smalls from Sandlot? Oh, with the big old bill on his hat. Yeah, why the fuck? Now, I got like you. He got a, why, why the fuck? He, looked like just, he stole Small's hat. It was the. I think it was the angle. I think it's the it's angle. angle. I mean, this is a pretty, Matt, pretty streamlined hat. Matt, we are here to fuck with him. Don't don't give <laughs> actual reasons why. <laughs> so, uh, Eric hashtag pro is now hashtag pro Smalls. Pro Smalls, that'll work. <laughs> you're, kill, you're killing me, Smalls. No, uh, you're killing me, Smalls. So, well, t- all, hey, Matt, all you need to do is give him a black eye at Susky, and let's take a picture of this exact angle so we can use as something. So, man, what's your hey, maple trail like? A man, a man can get a, a, man can get a black eye at Susky. He's talking about the set. If you fall out of your kayak, which is very possible at Susky, you could fall on a rock <laughs> and get a black eye. <laughs> you, talk about, you talk about fishing with your head on a swivel. If you ain't paying attention, you're going to wreck your shit. I promise you. I love Joe McElroy to death, but but in practice, he he tried out a links and he was upside down in about two minutes. <laughs> he lost a whole bunch of shit. Like, look, look, look I don't know Joe McElroy, but if you weigh more than 150 pounds. You best not take your ass out on the Hobie links to go kayak fishing in a tournament. I don't know his exact weight, but I don't think he would make that weight. So, <laughs> <laughs> look, Matt Millard, Matt Millard would be safe on the links. Eric, nah. you, me, nah. Jordan Marshall, Ryan Lambert's big old fat ass. We ain't we ain't on no links on no big water or no moving water. Nah. That bitch has got to be a pond with no ripples. But to, to finish up schedule-wise, you know, Fox and Wolf, so Jordan and I left Broken Bow a day earlier than we had initially planned. That's a pretty long trip, and we we hustled home after we fished a couple hours mm-hmm. on Saturday, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another tournament where, you know, I, I, I didn't fish as poorly as, as my results were. I just I had some really good bites late in the day. I kind of figured something out and uh, just didn't catch them. And, I, you know, I've notoriously – good at landing fish and not missing fish and it's just like it's been crazy this year how many fish i've missed but um but but 10 cat wise i'm i'm currently within the the qualifiers of the state tournament i think it's the top eight plus the directors we've got two more local events one on melton hill one it's a river and then the classic and i'll likely qualify for state um through 10 cat and i think uh they you know those guys, those local directors here, Andrew Dodson, uh, Steve Owens, and and just Burkhart, the guys in this general area, I mean, they, they do a really nice job. It's not a – they don't get a lot of props for what they do, but they do a nice job. And, like, our guys pulled back money, and they got us a house for the team on Kentucky Lake for the state tournament. Mm. And we're, 
really hoping that Jordan, you know, gets in, gets in with us. You know, he's, it's just like Matt. I mean, it's, you know, there was a time where there wasn't enough tournaments and now there's too many, you know, you, oh, yeah. you, know, you yep. can't, fish, you can't fish everything you want to fish. You want yeah, to support you can't do it all. You want to support your local trail. Um, you know, local trails are trying to get smarter and, and piggybacking off the national events. And it's kind of like Saturday, we had three tournaments going on at one time. You know, we had 10 cats, three fish tournament, NTKA and, and Bass Nation was kind of a joint event, but not really. They were three separate pots, three separate entries. And, mm-hmm. and it worked out, you know, I mean, that, and, and that's what's really good about, you know, Daniel Davis and Steve and these guys collaborating together to say, why don't we do this together and get more participation? And I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's impressive to look at the sponsors and what these people are doing. I mean, you know, my sponsor, you know, he's great, you know, uh, limited as far as, as some of the other sponsors out there, as far as what they have available to the anglers. But I mean, you look at what dugouts doing, I mean, you know, frontier is my sponsor. He's great to me. Uh, gets me what I need from the kayak specific piece of the puzzle. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it's impressive to to see how this has evolved. And, and I think you see the participation, you know, you, you see these tournaments going back to the same lakes and they're working with these chamber of commerces and, you know, fish Dayton or Jefferson city, I think was a big host for that. I mean, hell, they had beer tickets for us and Angelo's at check-in for the tournament we fished yeah. on Saturday. You know, and I think we might have got food discounts and you know, this and that. And they had us a nice area on the patio and they had a PA system so we could stand up there and, and go through the the winters and all that good stuff. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 cool to see the growth. It's cool to see, you know, the options. But it is, it, it you know, if, if you've got a full-time job, you've got responsibilities with kids and things like that, you really have to be disciplined to say, okay, what can I get away with and still keep everybody happy and afford it and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And that's been like, for me, I fished Santee this year. So I own my own business, started it in, in March of 2020 in the middle of COVID. And, you know, we weren't, we didn't get our stuff to start making money until September of 2020. And so like my whole thing is I want to fish more national tournaments, but I've got, I've got two kids. I've got a wife that works full time. You know, I've got my own business. I can't, I, I headed down to Santee as early as I could. No fish, no pre-fishing. Yeah. I, I grew up in South Carolina. I fished Santee. I had never thrown a bass lure in Santee. Now, I grew up catfishing, <laughs> but, but we ain't down there to catch no damn catfish. And going back to all the local trails, because we do have a lot of that, it's the Wild Wild West of kayak fishing right now. All the, the major trails are open. And so you're going to get that. We're, we, we all know it. There's going to be a professional trail that comes about where these folks that are going to all these, they're hitting the local trails when they're there. They're hitting the national trails. They're fishing all these other ones. Um, there's going to there's gonna be a split at some point where you have these people that have to choose and it's going to come down when you're a professional. So you take the elites or uh, BPT or anything like that. You know, those guys fish those trails and that's what they fish. And if they can fit something in here and there, they will, but that's what they're going to fish. And we're going to get to that. Um, but 
and Matt's gone. Were you good on all your local stuff where you think we're going to finish? You got anything else to add on that? Yeah, our, our season's winding down. We've got uh, a local lake here in Oak Ridge called Melton Hill, which, um, you know, I I, uh, I fished Melton Hill last year, and I, I, I saw some incredibly quality smallmouth where I fished. I didn't catch them. And so um, I'm going to fish that same area this year. That's a interesting lake. It's a musky. Um, and so you're liable to catch a giant muskie out of that lake too, which is always a, a, a thrill if you if you're fortunate enough to get a hold of one of those. And then the the second tournament is a, basically a, a honey hole slash radius type tournament where it's moving waters. And so I'll probably go back down there where I caught that big spot and 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 shoot for three mm. big spots. And if if I catch that right, I'll be hard to catch because there's some some big ones that lurk around down there. Uh, and then the last piece is the classic, and then state tournament. Yeah. I, I okay. may, I may do Dardanelle. Um, uh, you know, um, he's doing Dardanelle. He's going. We know it. Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, you know, when I say I really feel like I could win Susky, I believe that, but I can't compete with these guys like Ewing and, and Justin and Matt and these guys that are really good at electronics and they're looking at offshore stuff. There's certain places I know I can compete and do well. And for me, you know, if, if I'm in the top 20 in that field, if I'm in the top 10%, that's, that's a, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that particular tournament and even Seminole with, you know, it's, it's funny when you get one, you know, when you get one tournament under your belt at a given fishery and you feel like you've got an understanding of how yeah. things work, um, it, 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 you know, I'm comfortable going to Susky with a, a game plan based on results from last year. And I, I, if I would have listened to Jordan and Daniel sooner, I probably would have done even better than I did. I caught, I don't care to tell you this, I caught nine of my 10 keepers on that spray rattle I like to throw up there. And mm. not, many, not many people throw that. And that's typically a, a lure that you're going to get a bigger bite on. And when I say hey. I lost couple of big ones on that Saturday. <laughs> a couple of big ones on that Saturday. Hey, so. hey speaking of that, I gave you a Spro Little John microchip square, but have you thrown that big? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've thrown. I mean, I, there's, you know, Matt's, Matt's a little bit have like you, me. He's a, uh, he's a tackle junkie to a degree. I mean, there's hardly anything that I'm going to see that I haven't, haven't tried or know. Have you enough. lost it? I still have haven't. lost it? Okay. I still have it. I when still have I give it. people, when I give people, especially crank, and you gave me a chatterbait to try as well. Yeah, 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 yeah that's my boy. Yeah, yeah. So I gave, I gave all y'all chatterbaits. That's my boy Damien stretching lines. Look, I give people lures, and I ask them, "Have you fished it?" They go, "Yeah." I said, "Did you lose it?" And if they say no, I'm like, "That you ain't fishing that shit right." <laughs> I don't. I can buy a twenty six dollar damn what you call it fucking jerk bait. I don't. I don't buy lures afraid to lose them. Like I buy lures to fish, and if I lose that bitch, you know what? I'm either gonna go buy another one, or I'm gonna find something else to fish with. So look, I if, 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 next time, if I if I if I'm fishing uh, if I'm fishing in less than. Let's just call it ten feet of water, maybe maybe eight feet of water, shallow, less if, than ten feet shallow. 
if I'm fishing shallow, which is 99.9% of what I do. Eric's water don't go deeper than eight feet to begin with. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't. I so Eric can't swim. He's like, he's like, I, I can't see the bottom. I want to stand up in that water and not be over my head. But, um, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I throw that spro rock crawler is probably the deepest lure yeah. I throw. Uh, yeah. And, and I'll lose those from time to time. But some of those shallower running crankbaits, you know, I, I do what you're not supposed to do. I just reel, reel all the way down to the tip and, and, and typically shake it loose if, it, you know, if I get it hung mm-hmm. up. But, um, you know, that's, that's the one cool thing about kayak fishing. If you're, if, if you're, if you pay a little bit of attention to what's going on around you, you know, losing lures is not, is not a huge mm-hmm. deal. Because you need you need to go get them or or mm-hmm. not, and, and it's it's you know, and, and sometimes you know, in the in the in the late, you know, or you know, late winter, early spring, I love to crank and you know, and I'm moving and shaking, and and that that's that's the time when you typically you know get something buried somewhere that you just can't get it out, and and there have been times where I'm like, God, oh my, there's fifty dollars worth of crankbaits down there, and I won <laughs> and I won twenty two dollars for third place, you know, local tournament. And I'm like, that's a that's a small victory right there. Man, man, I don't lose many at all either. You know, you're talking about not losing yeah, lures. I, I bet I've got a I've got a three eighths jackhammer that I bet has caught close to. 40 or more river smallmouth like i it's just i it's got sentimental value at this point you know i just i keep throwing it so i'm sure i'll lose I, it how i haven't lost it in the river i'll never know but i as eric said i think it's easier to go get those lures from the kayak you're closer to the 100%. water you get shallower you know we ain't worried about breaking off a, a fifteen hundred dollar lower unit that you can that if you break it off, you're not getting another one. You know, we don't we don't have those aspects of it, so that's true. All right, so I, I Eric's got to leave, and this might go longer, and Eric might have to drop off because we got Matt here, and, and I'm the jabber hammer, even though I haven't been hammering shit this year. But I do want to back up to what I talked about earlier because we have two anglers that fish a Hobie BOS, which is, you know, probably – the the number one competitive trail that people are fishing right now with the TOC. And this comes up a good bit. And you hear it, especially on KBN, where somebody's in the top five. They're fishing for a win. And somebody goes, oh, you're, you're so-and-so. Let me move out of your way. It, it's the etiquette on the water, right? That's where we're getting at. But I, I think there's a line here. Let's say this person is fishing for a win. Eric, Matt, you're fishing for the TOC. It's the last tournament of the year. It's the last tournament you can fish of the year. It might not be the last one, but the last one you can fish. What? Like, how, do, how does this work out? Like, they come to you and be like, hey, man, I found this spot Thursday in practice. They haven't been fishing there on Saturday. They come Sunday and be like, hey, man, I'm fishing for first. And, like, can I have this spot? Uh, you know, now, I know we're going to simplify this because we don't have a ton of time. But in general, maybe you're fishing for big fish. Maybe you caught a 22 inch out of here and you know, there's a chance to win five or $600 with big fish off of this. 
what 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 do y'all think? What do y'all what's what's your mindset when you run into this situation? Because I'd be willing to bet y'all run into this situation on one end or the other. Like what what does that look like? You know, do you tell them to fuck off? I'm winning, I'm fishing for TOC, fuck your first place. I mean, you know, because in the kayaking world, let me go with this. In the kayak world, people will back off a lot. You hear that you hear that a lot. So and so backed off. Uh, because they and of course, I guess it was a couple months ago, somebody was in like 70th place and blah blah. blah. It doesn't fucking matter, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. What I'm getting at is you're you've got a place with a big fish that's gonna pay for your travel, or you're fishing for the TOC, and you have somebody that's in the top 10 that's fishing for a win. How do we handle this on the water? Like, what does that look like? Have y'all run into it? What do y'all think? What's your thoughts I, on that? I'll go first and kind of leave it with you guys. Um, so I, I've had about three that I could probably put my put my finger on. And, you know, I have – so I don't care to even tell you who it was. Ron Champion, who is an excellent fisherman, we – last year at TOC at Ufala, we practiced at a ramp together on – the Sunday before, I spent the whole week. I probably did more pre-fishing for that tournament than I did any tournament I've ever fished. I was there the whole week. And um, I ended up fishing where I caught my biggest fish in practice, and it was a real crowded ramp. It was way north on the lake, and that was a three-day event. And so you kind of needed to spread yourself out a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, sat, uh, the first day of the event – I think it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday was really crowded at my ramp. And I think everybody that caught big fish in practice caught them all in that same area. And, and I got a small limit and I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and, and go where I practiced on Sunday. And honestly, it was, it was me and Ron and Ron had a good Saturday and he kind of big timed me at the ramp and was like, Hey man, had a big Saturday. Here's kind of what I want to do. I would appreciate it if you would kind of leave leave this. I mean, he he initiated it, mm-hmm. and I said, "Hey, man, no problem," because he he you know he he was in a much better position than I was. But um, but what was interesting interesting we were the only two that launched there that morning, and then he did a two ramp pattern that day, and I beat the hell out of his area once he left, and then Christine Fisher and Josh Stewart ended up at that ramp, and they beat the shit out of his area too. And so I don't know. You know, I think there's a mental side to to that piece of the puzzle, uh, you know, and you don't know definitively who who's fished what area, when mm-hmm. they fished it. You know, all, you got all these all these like minds alike uh, at the Bassmaster. Technology, technology changes spots like there's like, you know. That's, that's uh, a big part of it, too. So, I, You know, I, I went and fished the Bassmaster Classic, Kayak Classic in South Carolina, and, and Pendergraph, who's a friend of mine, and I I didn't know he was around the corner, and I kind of went around the corner, and he was there. And, you know, that's a motor-friendly trail, and he's basically fishing out of a tiny bass boat in his old town. He's standing up with a trolling motor, and he's, he's covering water. And I didn't know it was him at first, and, in, in you know um, – uh, I'd had a horrifically terrible practice and, and went to a ramp I didn't practice at. And, and he just asked, he said, Eric, he said, would you mind if, if I you know have this area? And I said, man, it's yours. And I just motored. I motored somewhere else. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's a catch-22. Uh, I, I think if you've got some skin in the game that, uh, 
if you have a chance to cash, you know, you should stand your ground. Uh, I think if you don't have a chance to cash, you, you might want to put yourself in that other angler's shoes and say, you know what? The flip side of it is you pay an entry, $265, and, and you want to get the most out of your, uh, uh, you know, out of your, your deal. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I mean, you don't own the water. They don't own the water. I mean, you see these guys and map, you know, we talk about it with these bass boaters. I mean, shit, sometimes, you know, they could walk on each other's boats, you know, they're fishing a ledge or they're fishing a culvert or they're fishing somewhere where, you know, they arrive at the same spot and they practice there and they're like, and, and, you know, they just agree to fish together. Um, I've seen Christine and other competitors, you know, take turns casting in a culvert on Kentucky Lake and they sit there all, they sit there for eight hours, you know? And so I, I don't know the answer. I don't, I don't think there's a good answer. I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think there's a right and a wrong way to approach a, an angler based on the circumstances. Um, and, you know, um, and it, it could depend on whether I'm hung over or whether I'm happy or sad <laughs> or if, if I know my dog. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, I might be nice. I might tell you to go fuck yourself. But, I mean, you know, I mean, I, yeah. it, it's, that's a tough, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And there's no, you know, we, I mean, you hear you, I mean, you've heard of Paul and you, and so is Matt. I mean, you, you hear some pretty egregious things where angler A goes and blasts him in a culvert and is dumb enough to tell angler B that he blasted him at that culvert. And then guess who shows up at that culvert the next day on tournament day? Angler B. Yeah. That ain't right. Well, what there the TOC and what did the TOC in 2020 or 2021 where Lambert had his spot? Folks that was, where it was. That was an old, old boy rolled up in there and tried um, to fish. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that yeah. was the, the Knoxville TOC. And now that you know, yeah. I love I love Lambert to death, but Lambert's dumbass posted a picture that any <laughs> that any human being on planet Earth could have Google Earth and been like, oh damn. That's the uh, what do you call the, the the things where you 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 rope slide down there you 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 do the V and you slide what do you call that the zip line uh-huh. zip line the only zip line in in East Tennessee <laughs> is in the background where he wrecked those tournament fish and there's only one place on the Broad River that that zip tie thing is and I was like this Tom Yachty saw a picture and showed up and I'm like you know I was like he don't own the water and I think they had some words and. Lambert, yeah. you know, ended up in his in his spot, and that was I know exactly where he was fishing. That was a very, a very concentrated, unique spot, I, and we still to this day don't know why the fish were stacked in there like they were. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it that's a that's tough, and that's that's just my opinion, and everybody's got an opinion, and um, you know, it is what it is. Matt, have you run into that in the time that you've been fishing? Because you fish a lot of the national tournaments and you fish, obviously, where you fish in Tennessee is real competitive. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Man, I haven't I haven't had any negative experience with it. You know, like, like you were talking about that video. I think that was Nolan Minor, um, mm. maybe on sand. I can't remember what tournament that was, but it was Nolan Minor, I remember. And, uh, but no, I, back at the TOC last year, I had a guy, uh, Kurt Smith's deferred to me. I was sitting in a better position than him, but honestly, we were in similar positions. There wasn't that many, I mean, I might've had him by five or six places or something. 
In my mind, we could. Yeah, I mean, if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't have deferred to me. But he did, and you know, I was grateful for it. But the way I look at it, like, if you're just fishing for a big fish, like you have no chance at a top twenty-five or thirty. Because with these big fields that we're we've got in the Hobie BOS, if you're not a top twenty-five or thirty, you really are not getting valuable points for TFC, you know? So if you don't have some of these events, you can be in 70th or 80th place and it's stacked really tight. Now that's rare, but if you don't have a legitimate chance at a top 25 or 30, then that's probably when you should maybe be deferring to somebody that had a better day on day one. But now if I should, if I fished there the day before and I'm in, you know, I don't know, somewhere between 15th and say 40th place or 30th place. And somebody comes in there that's in the top five or 10. Hell no. I ain't, I ain't deferring to them. I was there the day before, you know, I have a chance at cashing or getting valuable points. I, I, I'm not doing it, but you know, it, it, it's kind of a fine line there. I, I'm not going to defer too much, but if I'm totally out of it and there's a guy in contention, I'll give it to him for sure. But uh, I, I think – take... Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. I, I'm done. I think, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. It's it, Even though that you have a lot of crowded fields, you know, usually people spread out to a degree where you don't really get too intimate with another person. And like I said – you know, the, the the incident with Ron was at the ramp before we even launched, and, and that's fine. That day, it was so windy uh, at Eufaula, Christine and I fished the same pocket, and, you know, she's great on the water and, and very professional. She said, Eve, which side do you want? you want the rocks or you want the grass? I said, I think I'll take the rocks. So I went right to the rocks, and she went left and flipped the grass. She won TOC, and I didn't win nothing, <laughs> you know. So, and then we were talking about a, a a little protected area that was the size of a small farm pond, you know. So, so we could see each other, you know, not catching or catching fish. Um, you know, I, I think that was maybe her second or third spot. I think she did most of her damage at a different ramp. But it's like on the water when you when you got wind and weather and, and you're trying to get out of something. I mean, it's just, Hey, which side do you want? I mean, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like golf etiquette, you know, let, let the faster players play through, you know, foursomes take precedence. I, I'm with Matt. I think if you paid your entry and you've traveled and you got a chance to cash and you fish that ramp before, I mean, you know, if you didn't have an incident on, on Saturday, you shouldn't have an incident on Sunday, regardless of somebody's position. You know, yeah. and again, so, you got guys, you got guys practicing for weeks. And sometimes in some cases you take the Santee Cooper event and you, you give Vinny props for having such a good local trail and such good participation. I mean, still in my thunder, but go ahead. But, but I mean, those guys, yeah. I mean, and, you know, I was going to mention this earlier, you know, just because you're not fishing a national trail doesn't mean you're not fishing against hammers. I mean, you look at the, mm. the guys stacked up at QC, you look at some of the guys at TVKA, you look at yep. even up there where Matt fishes. I mean, those King, I mean, there's some, if you're in Southeast United States, I mean, you know, that's something about being from the country, you know, these people know how to fish and uh, you know, uh, but, but you, you figure a guy like Joey Randall or, or Vinny or, you know, 
some of those some of those other guys that, that really show out on that on that uh, on that QC group. I mean, some of them know Santee Cooper really well. They had the ability to practice a ton, you know, and good for them, you know. So it's like just because somebody wasn't there on Saturday doesn't give them a lesser right to go there on Sunday. And hell, at Santee. Jordan and I went to two ramps both mornings and went to two different ramps because they were too crowded. And we fished two days areas we didn't even practice just to try to get away from people. Mm. You know, so, again, that's that's a very dicey. And a lot of times the stuff you're talking about is getting fished and you don't see it. Like Correct. whether it's bass boats or other competitors, you know, when you're – you know, fishing two pockets down or across the lake or whatever. So, I mean, it's not like if if you let a guy fish it or don't let a guy fish it, it's still probably going to get fished at some point. Like, you kind of need to let that go to to some degree. I, I think I mean, some of that's more mental have, than anything. When you have limited access and, and, and honestly, even with the motors being allowed in practice and the Hobies, you can only cover so much water. And so, you know, once once you take the motor off the boat and your manual and you got a fixed number of ramps, that water has been touched by somebody. And in many cases, multiple people, you know, so I think it's just kind of one of those deals where regardless of where you fish and who's around you, you're going to have to catch them. You may have to get creative on how you catch them. I've even I've even kind of defaulted this year to. You know, if, if my ramp's not crowded, I'm probably not fishing the right spot. Right. You know, because I've always really been wanting to try to get away from people. And it's like, you know, if if everybody wants to fish Given Creek, you know, maybe maybe I should take my, you know, take two steps back and be like, you know, it's okay that there's 10 people here. So, you know. It, I think it's, when you're talking 200 people, you're not, you're not far off with that because there's so many people that – not with the kayak, especially for what you yeah. said earlier, Matt, with the amount of ground you can cover with the places that we can launch. You're limited, and you got people that's practicing. I mean, I've, honestly, I, I could be way off on this, but I feel like it, it, close to half of the field starts practicing on Monday for a Hobie event. It seems like everywhere we go – there is so many people starting practice on Monday for a tournament that starts on Saturday, you know, so, and some people even longer, you know, some people that do this for a living or, or whatever else, you know, you could have people practicing for a week, week and a half on a body of water. And, and, you know, how many ramps and access points can they hit in a week's time? You know, if you're Jordan Marshall, you can hit four in a day, you know, and, and, you can at least do two and cover them pretty thoroughly. And some of these lakes that we fish don't have many more access points than that. You can almost hit them all. So, you know, no matter what you're picking, you're going to be fishing behind people or stuff that's already getting fished, you know. It, yeah. it makes it tough with the large fields for sure. Yeah. And I, I brought that up because you do hear a lot. So with the paddle and fin and KBN, these guys that, that, interview the tournament anglers especially after winning this year it seems like there's been a lot of folks that have thanked other folks for you know oh you're in first place i'll i'll move out of here we've heard a lot of that but mm-hmm. you take let's take santee again I, and we're harping on santee one because all of us were there together 
but also I think it was one of these tournaments that showed this. Vinny Ferrari from from Queen City was 50th. 50th place on day one. 50. He rolls up to his spot on day two, catches the shit out of him, and finishes 10th. He goes from, you know, losing money to, I'm guessing, probably covered his personal cost. He finished 10th because he finished second that second day. So he won money. Let's say he won enough money to, to cover his whole travel down there. And and that's 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 the always the thing, right? If he if his fish weren't there Saturday, we've already talked about how the weather conditions on Saturday fucking sucked. But Sunday that shit up set up right and then it's like those fish are gonna be here. He gets there and let's say Eric rolls up and is like, Hey bitch, I'm in third place. I'm fishing first. If he's like, nah, nah, dude. Go find your own fucking ship. My fish are going to be here today. You know, there's, and then Vinny, Vinny potentially will look like the bad guy, but then he finishes 10th because he wrecked him. And Team Vu, I, I I didn't get to him to see where he was after the first day, but he ended up finishing in the money too. So, I mean, I y'all both are right. You touched on it. It's a fine line between, hey, I know I'm here or this and that, but Vinny first was 50th. Did anybody think he was going to finish in the top 20 after going 50th? I mean, maybe he it, did that day. I think, I think it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities though. Like mm, the way that yeah. tournament was and as tough as it was on Saturday, you know, I, I don't think you need to get too hung up on what place it is, but how many inches are you, you know, back from whatever, That's say true. 20th or 25th yeah. place, you know? Because the 77 inches had you in the top 30, I think, at that point, didn't it? I was in the 30s somewhere, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's – I, I think, I think in, mo- in most cases, in most cases, and again, I mean, you know, 99.9%, even the cases that I brought up, they weren't confrontational. They weren't right, – they, they, right. they weren't – none of those persons that I brought up, they didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything mm-hmm. wrong. Um, you know, um, it, it, it does take a level of confidence or arrogance to do that to a different angler that's competing, mm-hmm. especially at a TOC on the second day of a three-day tournament. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole nother that's a whole nother story. But my my last point that I'll leave with you before I bust out of here is uh, well, I got some questions for you. Matt, hold, hold real quick, Matt. Do you have some time after he leaves? No, I'm good. Okay. All right, finish, finish, Eric. And I got some questions well, I, for you. I, just, you leave. I, I think that there's so much water that you can compromise. It, you know, there, there's typically not an area that's so concentrated that you know that there can't be you know something. And and I think you know the individual makes a difference. But I, I could see Vinny saying, "Look, hey, let's share this spot. You know, we'll mm-hmm. we'll alternate casts or, right, or whatever." Right. And, and if it comes to that, and again, I, I've been doing this a long time, and I've never felt. I've never felt put out. I've felt like some people tried to big time me and, and, and that's okay because that's, <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? And that's their choice. Yeah. Um, and, and, in in both cases, I kind of let them. And, and that, again, that's a hobby for me, you know, and, and neither one of those tournaments was I in a tremendously, you know, competitive position. Now, I finished 19th at TOC, which I'm proud of that finish. Um, you know, this, the scenario is South Carolina. I struggled. I didn't do well, but, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think, you know, there, there's plenty of water, you know, and here's, here's what's funny about the drama behind some of the things that's happened. There's probably more back and forth between boats and kayaks than there is kayaks and kayaks. Right. Because bass, bass, bass boats will cut you off knowing good and well you're going to try to cover a stretch, a bank, just because you can't get there as quickly as they can. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm mm -hmm. just kind of like on my arms in the air, like, come on, guys, you know, I know you. Hey, 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 oh, boy from Alabama ran across a Queen that, City guy that he didn't think he didn't know what he was getting into. And he got his ass beat. That was funny. That <laughs> I wish we had video of that. That, Dude, that was the I know they reached did. out some, you know, golly, that was great. Look, so I'll say this because of, of what we talked about earlier with how ramps are, with how fucking crazy they can be in the morning. There's not like, I'm not going to be first at, at a lot of things. I'm going to be first at the ramp. And if we're ped, pedaling out to an area, my goal is to beat you to wherever the fuck. I don't care if you make a hard <laughs> beat. I'm going to beat you to the point you turn off, right? But I, I, I carry a firearm because you never know what you're going to roll up to on the fucking ramp at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I keep one in my life jacket. <clears throat> no, yeah, it's it's it, you just you just never know. And until people, most people listen to this podcast, all three or four of them will probably understand that. But uh, anyway, all right, Eric, we're gonna get you out of here, but we've got a few questions real quick. All right. all right, I need you to answer these one honestly, and two, there ain't no thinking, no umming. I'm gonna ask you a question. You need to answer that bitch. All right, all right. Crocs or flops? Flops, my man, you suck. Fucking flops get slippery, man. Your feet be. You told me to answer honest questions, so shut the fuck up and ask them. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't going to chastise you for wrong answers. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza yesterday. Hey, Mike, no. Matt, I ought no. to kick your ass out of this so you don't have time to think about it. But I'm going to fuck you up because we're going to talk about some other shit and you ain't going to remember. That, no that's pineapple right. pizza. That's un American. <laughs> I know that's like putting Canadian bacon, which is fucking sliced ham. Ugh. You gonna spend more on a rod or a reel? A reel. I'm gonna break the rod. 100% chance. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I remember talking to you about buying Shimano reels after you saw how bad Jordan treated his shit and they and still, they still kept work. working. Right. <laughs> like, I'm buying Shimano reels because Jordan fucks his shit up and they never quit working. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> how Jordan Marshall doesn't have a Shimano Sponsorship. Sponsorship. He needs one. He's yeah. fucked up. Uh, he does because I saw his reels and he had cron arcs from like a long time ago. I'm like, how the fuck is he fishing with this shit? Because not only were they old, they looked like he had dragged them around the parking lot in a parking lot behind this truck. It's he insane. Ca he calls it patina and I, I call it blatant negligence. Yes. <laughs> how the First of all, how the fuck do his rods make it through what he does? I don't and know. And second, how does his what line does he he's gotta be using the, the Walmart Cajun special line to not break him? His shit is a fucking wreck, man. It's funny as hell. In a three hour session, 
you want to catch five two pounders or one seven pounder? One seven pounder. Now, my mm-hmm. man, wacky, wacky rig or Texas rig? Neither. Nope, that ain't a fucking question. Answer the question. <laughs> Neither. Uh, Texas rig. Okay, okay. I thought you'd say wacky being on the river. You just uh, let it float down, hook hook, big-ass bit fish and all that. Slow jams or hype music? Slow jams. My man, you can tell this motherfucker old. He listens to some Barry Manilow coming up on the ramp. So loud, you can't even hear the mufflers coming off his truck. Key Sweat is Big Fish Radio. Hey, oh, boy. Key Sweat. <laughs> Matt, Matt was like five years old when Key Sweat came out. But that was, look, that was some humping music right there. You knew you was getting some ass if she put that shit on. That's right. <laughs> All right. Have you ever eaten beaver? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How delicious was it? It depends on what flavor. <laughs> that usually throws people for a loop, but somebody as old and as debauchery as Eric is, I know he'd answer that shit right, and he did. Do you eat largemouth bass? I have. Do you? Not have you? I mean, I I don't keep the fish that I catch to clean and eat, but look, in, a pin, in a pinch, I have eaten largemouth bass. Look, <laughs> it's, all, it's all about the sauce. Hey, if you know, if you fish in a spot, you know Christine Fisher's fishing on Saturday morning, and you're fishing on Friday afternoon, you keep all your limit of those large amount bass, you take them bitches home and you eat them. Now that is, that, I didn't think about it like that, but that's probably a defense to beat somebody. So Chris is like, my fish weren't there. So I was like, I played every day. On on the one <laughs> Look, I caught, a start shocking them up. Yeah, yeah. I caught a 23 incher. I had 18 nuggets for that right. one fish. <laughs> I came to the homeless guy down there at the ramp that broke into Jordan Marshall's truck. All right, Sam, this is the this is the one question Bass and Brews that we're known for. From all one and a half people that actually listen to the podcast this far in, what are your top three sandwich proteins? Turkey, ham, steak. Because you Great. saw what you saw at a steak wrap whenever we Dude. were staying together. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Steak. This man, this man has a Wagyu number one grade steak sandwich on the water. That was the best, <laughs> that was the best lunch I've ever had on the water. <laughs> it was a wrap and wagyu steak. <laughs> Outstanding. If you ever get a chance to stay with Eric, go stay with him because you're gonna have leftover Wagyu steak for for your sandwich on the water the next day. That's all right. If Paul brings the steaks because they were about three pounds a piece, because normally I don't. Normally <laughs> there's no steak leftovers, but these were special. So, <laughs> well, I I got the Josh used to be my neighbor. We were neighbors for about two and a half years, and so when I told him I was heading down there. Uh, we tried to beat up a little bit closer, but we didn't. Besides, dude, I need I need tomahawk I need tomahawk steaks. I need the real motherfuckers. 
Like, I don't need no, I need, and he, he, he hooked us up and he gave us the sausages and shit, which we didn't end up eating. I ate at home. They were delicious. Yeah. No, that, right. that was, that was a treat. <clears throat> uh, any sponsors you want to holler out? Uh, anybody like that you want to give props to all that good stuff? Just, uh, you know, cashing has been great to, to myself and Jordan this year. And, and that's a North Carolina group, good guys. Uh, 15 minutes from the house, they came down, visited cashing, didn't holler at me, didn't come see me. Y'all are assholes. But anyway, keep going. Well, we're, we're going to come back and fish some of your home waters. So we'll, oh, we'll hell do yeah. that. Show, show me how to catch fish. That's I, don't what know I, about, to do. I don't know about all that, but we, we at least give you some entertainment quality. But, uh, <laughs> You know, Frontier Outdoors, uh, you know, Brant and those guys have been real good to me. So I, I, that's really – that's the, the the two folks that do things for me. And, of course, you know, just uh, the, the communities is a good group of people and, um, you know, just to appreciate the acceptance and, and, and enjoy seeing people, the young guys being successful and, and, and people that are doing well this year, you know, kudos to them. It's not easy. I mean, it's just, I mean, Matt knows that Jordan knows that it's, it's tough to, to compete with these folks. So keep on keeping on. Well, that's good. I know, um, you know, from my time being in the area, even though I had fished a lot of these tournaments, just my time being in the kayak side of the industry, Eric, you're, you're a lot of people like you, and and you you do right by folks and so um that's good that's why anytime you have anything to say or post everybody's gonna put up hashtag pro <laughs> they keep keep it up <laughs> yeah now not when you just got hashtag pro smalls going since you got that fucking 1950s hat on <laughs> this is pimp hat man that's tennessee golf baby <laughs> big orange so all right buddy well thank, thank you for, y'all for having me I, I, yeah, yeah, shit, man. Oh, y'all, it's just me. Alex ain't here. Fuck him. He's out. He's out swashbuckling, scrubbing decks or something on a boat I got out you. on the west coast. But uh, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. I'm gonna keep Matt on here for at least two to three more hours. All right. Because he doesn't, he doesn't have a job to go to tomorrow. Apparently, no. <laughs> it won't be that long. But Matt, we're gonna cover some other stuff. Thanks, Eric. Thank appreciate you, guys. it, buddy. We'll hey, see you. Safe travels, bud. Thanks Later. a lot. Bye. <laughs> so Matt, we gonna we gonna go a little bit longer here because you you and I started about the same time. I'm I'd had a kayak um, on the Savannah River, but I just fiddle farted around, you know, nothing nothing special. But you you as you referenced earlier, you just got into this. And, and you're a name that folks know on the national trail. And you even said earlier how fishing was kind of just something you just did. And then 2019, 2020 rolls around and you got into it. What, what, what is the catalyst that kind of got you to where you are now, where you're competing and where people who know you're on the national stage and, is it is it the homework? Is it because I mean you know with fishing you have an innate ability. People have an innate ability to fish well, but you have to know where the fish are and you have to know how to catch them. Right? That's the two things. You can't yeah. catch fish where fish ain't. And you've done a good job at being able to find fish and catch them. Like what is what has been the the thing 
that has got you to be able to compete with not a lot of past history. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting on how I got into it. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I shot a lot of competitive archery and still do a lot of bow hunting and stuff. Honestly, if I had to pick bow hunting or fishing, that'd be, that gets tougher to pick between the two, but I still would lean towards bow hunting. But I worked at uh, Bass Pro Shops for a couple of years up until probably 2016. And that's when I left and went to the post office. And when, Right before I quit Bass Pro Shops, a buddy of mine at work there talked about getting a kayak and fishing kayak tournaments and kayak fishing and stuff. And it sounded fun. Got a pretty big discount on the kayaks at that time working there. And right before I quit, I bought um, an Ascend kayak. And me and him rigged our kayaks up. And he found this local club close to us. And said, dude, let's go fish this. And I said, dude, I'm all in. Let's do it. And we went and fished it. Um, I, forget, I don't even remember how we did or anything. But that was in 2016, actually. And then I started working at the post office. All that went on the back burner. Kayak set in the garage for three years. And like I mentioned, I started kind of getting burnt out on the archery thing and wanted to kind of find something else. And we had been fishing a little bit off a bass boat. And I said, I think I'm going to get that kayak out and uh, fish another one of those kayak tournaments. That was fun. And uh, went out, fished a kayak, a nighttime kayak tournament and uh, was competitive. I think I finished third or fourth in that one. And I fished the last three or four that year. So kind of at the end of 2019, leading into 2020, I said, this is kind of what I want to do. I just, This is fun. I enjoy it. Let's just see what we can do with it. And uh, that kind of that's what started everything there. And and I ask that question because we have a lot of folks that I know who are newer into kayak fishing a lot. And again, this podcast was created more from the folks that were creating Instagram and YouTube, and and now we've got quite a few folks from TikTok. So it was these folks that were creating good content. And since the time that I've been doing it, since the time that I got into kayak fishing locally, you run across a bunch of kayak anglers. We got two trails here local to us. And so I always ask, hey, do you fish these trails? Like, no, there's, you know, tournaments for kayaks. Like, hell yeah. You know, so to me, it's one of these things like there's all these, these, all these tournaments around here and nationally. And you run across the majority of people that go, there's tournaments. And then the next <laughs> biggest thing that I hear is, well, I'm not good good enough to fish tournaments. And I think the mindset that they have are like the elite series or, you know, maybe they fish some local club tournaments out the back of the boat. And they're like, yeah, I can't do that. And, and it's just interesting because you, of course, I say this now, and you just said 2016, 2016 in kayak fishing was, was, it was the beginning of that, yeah. that curve up. You know, there's folks that have been, the saltwater kayak side has been around for a long ass time. We had the guys from Paddle and Finn, you know, those guys have been fishing, fishing out of kayaks since, you know, the 2000s and into the 2010s. So it's been around a long time. But you kind of you got that first little taste of it really, really early. 
uh, yeah. kind of when KBF was really just starting to take off and to build what we have now. And nobody can take that away from KBF. They were the ones that built what we're able to do regionally, nationally, locally. But but it's interesting that you had that hiatus and then came on and done so well because my like I know how to fish. I fished out of boats and all this. Fish out of a kayak is fucking hard. It's a mm. whole different ball game. And even with me knowing how to fish and me knowing how to find fish, I struggle. But you take you that that over the last three years have been able to take your knowledge and be super successful locally and nationally. I mean, you know, what, what, what's some advice maybe you could give to some guys that are listening that are looking to get into it or don't think they're good enough? Like what, what was the, what was the thing that you said, you know, I can do this shit and then got you to hear. Man, I've kind of been the same way, no matter what it is I've done. Like, I played sports growing up, you know, and it was basketball early on and was obsessed with it. As even as a kid, I was out playing basketball all the time, you know, trying to get better and then picked up a golf club in high school and it was hours a day hitting golf balls, you know, and then it was archery for like 10 years and I was really obsessed with it and then fishing come along and I've worked at it, you know, pretty hard to kind of, I mentioned it earlier, speed up that learning curve because, you know, in fishing, like Eric, for instance, he's, he's got unlimited time. Basically he can spend a ton of time on the water Mm -hmm. and you're always going to have that. I can't do that. You know, like I would say this year I've spent five or six days of fun fishing period. That was not practice for a Hobie or whatever. So my time off the water, I put a lot of time in there, but I've had those those times where you're like, man, I really can do this. And when I come back in that first tournament I fished in 2019, uh, kind of after that break there, I fished one random one in 2016. But 2019, like I said, I finished third or fourth in that first one. There was probably 20 guys in it. And I had no clue really what I was doing. Um, I was like, man, I can kind of, I can do this. I can compete. And, fished four or five after that the rest of that year and was competitive in all of them. I think I was in the top 25% of the field every time. So then when 2020 come along, I think I won the second tournament, local tournament of 2020. So I was like, okay, I can do this, you know, and kind of competed for AOI that, that year there. And uh, I didn't even really know about the Hobies or anything like that. And I can remember at the end, Somewhere in towards the middle of 2020, I found KBN and uh, started listening to some podcasts and stuff and realized there was this whole world of KBF and Hobie and all this that I had no idea was even there. And I can remember being in Illinois deer hunting at the end of 2020 and keeping up with Jordan and Lambert battling back and forth at the TOC at Hobie. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, dude, he just won $30,000 out of a plastic freaking boat. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is way bigger than I even imagined it was, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think shortly thereafter, Hobie released their schedule for 2021. And one of the lakes on there was 
Watts Bar Lake, which is never fished it before, but it was two, two and a half hours from my house. And I was like, man, this is a really good opportunity to maybe just kind of dip my toe into this national thing and just see, you know, A, it'd be a good experience. It's a new lake I've never fished before. Just kind of see what happens. And uh, I made a trip. I think it was in, it was February something. So it was pretty early in the year. And I went down a couple weeks before and, and fished for two days and caught like two bass the whole time. And I was like, man, this is tough, <laughs> you know. And I went down uh, the Friday before the tournament, fished for eight hours straight and did not catch a bass. And I was like, this is, <laughs> what the heck am I doing? And I, you know, looked on the map that night. I fished about five or six different areas between the, you know, a couple days beforehand and, and the, the pre-fishing day. And I was like, I don't like any of this. Uh, let's just pick something new. I'm going to, you know, I, it was really cold at that time. That's probably one of the coldest, coldest Hobie tournaments we've ever had. It, they delayed the start by like two, two and a half hours. We had like 20 degree temperatures that morning of, of, what, on was, Saturday. Was that the tournament the water was up real high too? No, I don't think that, no, it was still drawn down. Lambert ended up winning that one, but. Um, it was just so cold. I picked an area that it was a main lake channel swing. It was cold. I knew I wanted to be on the main lake. I took my, you know, trusty jerk bait, like an Alabama rig and my little small Kitex swim bait. And I was like, this is my cold water stuff. You know, it should work. Ended up catching a limit that first day. And, uh, I think I was in like seventh, seventh or eighth place. And I was like, damn, that, that worked out good. I got five bites, got them all in the boat. I was like, I got a chance, yeah. you know, and uh, went out the next day and ended up breaking a fish off early and ended up with four fish on day two. If I, and finished in fourth place, first ever mm-hmm. Hobie tournament finished in fourth. Uh, mm-hmm. And all I needed was 12 inch fish to win. And I broke that fish off early that morning, you know, and I was like, man, I can do this, you know? So that was like another one of those moments that kind of reassured me that, hey, you 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 can play at this level, you know? At first it was local tournaments and then now we're at the national level. And I was like, okay, well, I qualified for the TOC and I, I didn't fish any more Hobies that year. I was going to fish Hartwell and it just didn't work out schedule-wise. So going into the TOC, I'm in the room, we go to the check-in and like, like, Eric mentioned earlier, you've got 50 of the, it's the who's who of kayak fishing. All those kayak people that you know by their first name, you know, there's a bunch of them out there. They're all in this one room and you're looking around you're like, what the hell am I doing? Like, (laughs) you you know, I had this one tournament. I was like, it could have been a little fluky, who knows, you know, but it's, it's such a stacked field and uh, had an awesome tournament there and ended up finishing fourth at that one too and had a good check, you know. So that was another bit of reassurance, like, hey, i done it once, now I've done it twice, it's not exactly a fluke, and then you just kind of start building some confidence from there. And so much of fishing is confidence, you know, trusting what your, what your gut tells you to do and having confidence that that's the right thing to do and you just need to start listening to it. And, you know, Eric was talking about having a slump and, you know, part of that is you start second guessing yourself and you don't have that same level of confidence that you do when things are rolling good. So, 
you know, once you get some of that reassurance that you can do it, you know, confidence is huge in fishing and momentum's a real thing. So you you qualify for the TUC. It sounds like the decisions that you made for that tournament were, were based off of how you felt, you know, your intuition. 100%. From there, from there, you finish fourth in the TOC. So you're, you're, you're still new into this arena. And at this point in time, you're, you're in there, you're in the TOC with the top 50, you know, you're networking, you're making friends with people. Have, is it, is it strictly intuition and just, you know, your thought process and your, and, and being competitive and how you want to do, did you have any help from other anglers along the way that got you, you know, kind of to where you are now? And I ask that because a lot of folks here locally, I talk to a lot of new, I, I love to talk to people. And again, I want to, if we go fishing, fun fishing, tournament fishing, doesn't fucking matter. I want to catch more and bigger than you. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like to share the information here locally with anybody, you know, with the folks that are around here, especially kayak fishing. I like to share information. You know, I, I, I want to see people catch fish. I want to see them catch big fish. To, to me, the, the secrets in fishing are far and few between now because of technology and all the stuff that goes with it and the amount of information that's out there. But have you have you had help from from Eric and, and obviously I say Eric and Jordan because you know, I know you room with those, but from these other people, have they helped you progress in, into where you are now? Um, it's kind of and an interesting I say this, question. Yeah, and I say this from this from this viewpoint. Some people won't help, right? They won't. They ask a lot of questions. Um, and I'm not talking about the people that are just asking for spots and lures, right? I'm talking about people that yeah. want to learn. And you have that. Then you have the other side of it where that people are like, you know, I'm going to do this shit on my own. Um if I get too much help, I feel like it takes me out of what I know. So I ask this, like how, I guess, let me try to ask this question, right? How have, how has being around some of the tournament anglers helped you or do you just do what you do? I would say for the most part, I do what I do now. Okay. I like talking fishing and mm-hmm. you know, if, if we get to talking about, I'll, I'll talk techniques and lures and strategy with anybody. I've always been, and Eric talked about this, you know, on the few fishing YouTube videos I made, I've always been super transparent about anything and everything that I do. Now there are the rare occasions that there's something special, you know, whether it's a area or whatever, but that is super rare. Now, you know, you talked about Jordan and Eric and learning from them. A lot of what I've learned from them has just been the traveling and practice and Mm. doing that deal because the way they fish and the way I fish is totally different. Um, I can tell because you're a late guy like me, and those dudes want to get up in skinny ass water. Yeah, what Eric and Jordan do, 
are totally different than than what I do. You know, there's some stuff I've asked Jordan questions about chatterbaits or, you know, what do you like for this trailer or whatever, you know, we'll talk tackle and stuff like that. But, you know, I've, if my girlfriend was on this right now, she would tell you that (laughs) every night I'm probably watching at least an hour of some type of fishing before I go to bed every night. So I'm always trying to soak up anything and everything that I can to maybe learn a little bit of something, you know, but now when we get to a Hobie and we're fishing a tournament or whatever, I don't pay, I pay very little attention to what the doc, the doc talk is and what people are talking about. I want to do it my way, you know, um, whatever that is for that given tournament, but it, I, I want to talk and learn and, and do everything, but I kind of want to do it my way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like I, I love sharing information. I do ask a lot of questions, but I'm also like, I fish, I know how I like to fish. And so I, I, I ask a lot of questions, but I'm like, all right, how do I fit this information in with what I want to do? And for me, sometimes I don't put the information to use like I should. And, you yeah. know, coming coming as somebody that wants to get into tournament angling from a, a local or a national mindset, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it from just the fishing side. And then when you have to travel 10 or 12 or 20 hours to a location and have your shit set up and to get out there and to fish it, I think that's, that's where I have probably asked the most questions about is like, how are you breaking down a new body of water? Um, you know, somewhere that you're not necessarily comfortable fishing that body of water. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that some kayak anglers are afraid to ask. And I think that's a fishing thing in whole is because of the secrecy and how people like spots is that it makes people afraid to ask for help, regardless if it's travel or fishing. I had questions about that too. Um, You know, I kind of leading into like that Lake Fork and Toledo Bend trip the initial trip we all took together this year i'd asked jordan like you know kind of what are you looking for and and that sort of thing and honestly we were kind of on the same relative page you know what i was looking at what he was looking at was 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 pretty similar but and that's really the big thing for you right that's absolutely that was like another thing we're like you know i'm kind of doing the right thing yeah and the big thing with like getting the right getting information and doing something with it is like if you're talking at a tournament and you hear people you always hear stuff like so and so caught not a hundred inches doing this, you know, this what I'm hearing makes sense. Like if what they're saying makes sense with kind of what I think's going on, then that kind of maybe reassures like what I'm already thinking. But if it's like so and so caught a hundred inches on a frog in February, you know, 
in 48 degree water. I'm like, get the hell out I don't, of here. I don't, I, I don't want anything to do yeah. with that. I, I don't yeah, know how but, to catch, I don't know how to catch fish, fish on front. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but, but that's too. So I don't let I it affect out. me negatively, but if it's something yeah. that reassures something I'm already thinking, I'll let it affect me, you know, positively that way. Yeah. And I, so that's important to hear anybody that's still on this podcast listening. And I'm going <laughs> to make sure that we, we make sure that, that new kayak anglers that want to get into competitive fishing, doesn't matter locally or nationally, I'm, we're, we're, I'm going to highlight this to make sure they listen to the end. This is why I wanted to keep you on was for that thing, because you can't, you, you can't catch other people's fish, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's 50 degree water and somebody's catching them on a damn frog and you're like, shit, I've never thrown a fucking frog. It, you, you're you're not going to be able to catch those fish, maybe. Yeah, I ain't more going than to. Not, like I'm not going to yeah. try. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to try. But that's also something to put in your toolbox to maybe practice or come in there or that situation, that area of situation arises. It like, damn, you know, maybe next year you're like, shit. I remember Matt said he caught fish on a frog in this scenario. Let me try it in a practice and again it comes back to what we talked about earlier with with how kayak angling right now and i think it changes in the future when we start to get a professional or a couple of professional trails i think some of this this information and the sharing and the camaraderie breaks apart mm-hmm. because people are going to be fishing for livelihoods then. So that changes everything. It's a whole different podcast, but you know, having, having heard that is a little bit of information that you could put in your toolbox that maybe you take home that you can put into a local tournament and the full circle comes around to just being open to listen to what other people have to say. And, and to to kind of prod them, it's like, hey man, what are you doing? If they share, they share. Yeah. If they don't, they don't. You gotta. You also you gotta be careful with that too, because you gotta put some thought into how reliable the information is. You know who's <laughs> yeah. who's telling it to you. You know if it's somebody you truly trust, then yeah, I'll put that in the memory mm. bank. Like mm. you know, because it, it, at some point you may be faced with that situation at a different time that. That if you're at your wits end, you know, you might, you might try it, but I would say my most important, I would say what's helped me the most at being consistent, because if you look at like what I've done this year, I haven't had that many great finishes, but I've been consistent to some degree. You know, I've, my worst finish in Hobie has been a 50th out of 200, you know, so that's top 25%. I've had a, that's fucking rocking dude. Yeah, I mean, I've been consistent, but I think part of that is, is I when it comes time to fish the tournament, I'm not trying some new technique, and I'm not trying mm-hmm. to do something I'm not comfortable with. I'm, you know, I I feel like I'm pretty versatile in in techniques. There's a lot of stuff I have confidence in, and if it's something that I have confidence in, I'll lean on it. And that's kind of what I stick to in the tournament. You know, I'm not out there trying to do something that's outside of my realm or something I'm not familiar with or whatever, you know? So 
That's a and, I try and stick to my strengths. And so your strengths and are you more of a finesse angler, more of a power no. angler? I'm I am okay. I am confident with a spinning rod, but that is not we were talking about it the other day. In fact, Jordan Marshall has caught more spinning rod fish than me in 2022. So if that gives you anything, any indication about me and a spinning rod, I, I'm more of a power fisherman, but I'm not stuck into one or two or three techniques. You know, it seems like kayak fishermen are synonymous with chatterbaits and jackhammers. It's like everyone throws one like 75% of the time. And, you know, I'll throw one too from occasion, but, you know, there's, I feel like I, I carry a lot of tackle and I've got a lot of stuff in my tackle box that I feel confident in. So I feel like when I go to a tournament that I've got a kind of an idea of four or five things that should work given on, given the time of year, you know, water conditions, water temperature, that sort of thing. And then it's my job to kind of adjust from there and figure out which one's going to be the deal, or what color adjustments mm. I need to make based off water clarity or whatever, you know, but I'm more of a power fisherman than I am a, a finesse fisherman for sure. I think that's important for people to hear though. Like you don't have to be an expert in everything, but you need to have the gear and the knowledge to be able to throw a drop shot or a shaky head or Ned rig when that situation calls for it on tournament day. And -hmm. if you want to go out there and your plan is throw crankbaits and jackhammers and, you know, a top water, but tournament day rolls around and that's just, you know, from, from water clarity and weather and all the, those intangibles, you got to be able to switch it up, but you don't have to be an expert to be able to do that. And again, that information lends to how you've been consistent is that you can mm-hmm. adjust to be able to fish for that day on the water. That that's something I've been working on. And as, as a new angler, it comes easier to some people, right? You know I mean? Some people will throw on a drop shot or a, a shaky head real quick and others won't. You know, it's interesting to hear that because it sounds like that you you really not an expert in a finesse way, but when it calls for it, you're going to throw a spinning rod or you know, it doesn't even have to be a spinning rod. You're going right. to throw a finesse lure if that's what the hell it calls for that day. And it lends yeah, to I mean, consistency I, I that feel, you've had over the last two years. Yeah, I feel like I've got, you know... I, I don't know, but I feel like I've got probably four or five things techniques wise on spinning rods that I feel good about. And I've got a whole bunch of stuff on the baitcaster stuff. But I think the important thing is when you get on tournament day, that's not the time to be trying new things. You know, hopefully going into the tournament, you've got a relative idea of what's going on. You know, I don't want too much information going into the tournament. I want a general area and a general idea of like what stage we're in and, something to go off of and then i'll figure the rest out on the water i feel like i'm pretty good at making on the water adjustments but that's something i'm trying always trying to get better at but i feel like once i get on the water you know my instincts there are pretty good Uh, a lot of times what i think 
is going to work going into it most of every time. It, that's not what actually works. And it seems well, you like just said the last, you know, last tournament you had 15 minutes in, you changed your plan completely. Yeah. And it seems like even on like the Hobie stuff, the, I think I fished six, I think six Hobie events. And I don't think I have maybe one time ended up fishing the first ramp I checked or the first ramp I fished. So my ability to pick an area like right off the bat, looking at a map has a lot of room to grow, you know, but as far as on the water, I feel pretty good about all that. And I think, I think about the Santee tournament. I was like, you know what? I could have thrown a floating worm in the same areas that I was throwing that frog and probably caught those, the fish that missed that frog. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, just, you know, the situation and what it was, they probably would have bit that worm, single hook, better hookup rate, and and probably could have caught those fish then. I was throwing a frog, which I hadn't thrown in for fucking ever, on a new yeah. rod, a new reel, in a place I have, have, have never fished <laughs> that had you know, 14 foot alligators in it. And I was in, I was luckily we, we missed, we missed uh, the Santee with the gators being really up there mating. Even though the second day I was right, me and Ryan and I think Dylan was over there. I don't know, but they were, they were humming, you know, they were doing their mating. So we, we just missed them. But anyway, you still have that, you know, in, in that area, you still have that in the back of your mind. But, you know, think about that. I probably should have been throwing something that I was better equipped to have fished. Um, but, you, you know, that's the thing about fishing. That's the thing about folks that are just getting into the tournament side is, you know, they, they're going to do what they feel comfortable with. But sometimes you just got to step out of that. But not necessarily try something brand spanking new on tournament day. Yeah. But your consistency You're always is, learning. Yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned earlier about like YouTube and and um tactical bassing and stuff like that. Has that lent you more towards helping you find areas you're gonna fish in, or have you used that information to try more techniques? I think it's mm. Honestly, I think it's helped me more on the technique side. Um, Making sure, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I don't have the ability to have the time on the water that a lot of guys do. So I feel like with these, with the research that you can do beforehand, you can have a technique pretty well dialed in. Like I'm not having to test 10 different trailers to go on the back of a chatterbait. Like here's two or three that probably work and maybe something I can experiment with too. Um, as far as on the water stuff and figuring that out, like what area you should be in and what looks good and what's going to be productive, that's kind of hard to learn without having that time on the water and making that judgment call like, hey, I think I need to go here and it actually work out for you. So you can learn some stuff, um, probably watching those videos on areas and that sort of thing. But I think more than anything, it'd help you technique-wise. 
as far as fish movement and pattern and behavior through the season, that all stuff, that stuff kind of made sense to me really quick. Um, but the technique stuff, that's a rabbit hole that's never ending. I mean, you can, you can learn as much as you want to learn about baits, techniques, and everything, you know. You can make it as complicated as you want or as simple as you want. And and so the anglers, the the anglers that I know that are really good, what I would call savvy anglers, those guys that just have that intuitive, and I hate to use because Randy Blockett <laughs> with intuitive angling <laughs> is taking the word out, but that intuition, the savviness of fishing, right? being able to find the fish. I believe that's the hardest part of fishing because you could be throwing the perfect lure, the perfect presentation in a place where there ain't no fish. And as Buck Perry said, you can't catch fish where fish ain't. Mm -hmm. Or you can throw the shittiest lure in the shittiest presentation in a place with fish but you still have the opportunity to catch the fish because they're there. And, and so, you know, from as, as folks coming into tournament angling and folks coming into fishing on a boat, not necessarily off the bank because you're limited to where you can fish, but you know, just being able to identify places where the fish are. And it sounds like, this whole almost three hour conversation and what you've talked, you've been able to really dial in where you think the fish are going to be. And they're there. And that's important because you can't catch fish if they ain't there. Right. And and you've done a good job with that. So I think people in general, people need to take away the lures, the rods, the reels, all that shit. Put it secondary to thinking, where the fuck are the fish going to be? Mm-hmm. And you're not always going to be in an area like part of kayak fishing is that you can't cover a lot of water. Like you've got this yeah, one area that you've got that you can fish. And like I would say the main difference between what we do and what the bass boat guys do is the bass boat guys can run a pattern if they choose to. You know, if they've got a crankbait bite on rock on the main lake, they can run that all over the damn lake and, and have a good bag. But as a kayak angler, you need to be more versatile. You know, you've got maybe these two or three pockets or this section of lake that you can fish. And if you're only throwing one or two baits covering that area, you've not got that many fish that you can catch in most of the places mm-hmm. we go. Like you need to be, well-versed in several different baits to where you can throw the correct bait for what you've got in front of you. You know, if you're cranking down a, say you're running the crankbait down a bank and you come up to a, a, a real good looking lay down, well, you need to have a jig or a creature bait there too, that you can flip in that lay down after you run your crankbait over top of it. Cause there's probably a fish there, but if you just keep mm-hmm. burning down your crankbait, you may catch one out of that lay down, but most likely you're leaving some fish there. But I think I'm good at just junk fishing and fishing what's mm-hmm. in front of me and whatever lure fits what I see or what I think fits. So I'll end up with a lot of rods and a lot of different stuff going on at the time, but it works. 
Well, hey, man, whatever whatever puts checks in the bank account, <laughs> yeah. whatever helps you catch fish. I mean, the whole thing is catching fish. If you catch fish, you put yourself in a in a better position to to cash checks, or if you're just fun fishing, to have a good time on the water. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, then a lot comes into that. Well, look, we're gonna wrap this up here shortly. So okay. I've got a few questions to ask you, and you are going to get the same questions that our compadre asked, even though I forgot to ask him one that I'm going to ask you. So we, okay. we, we're going to start with a shotgun round. Crocs or flops? Crocs. My man. Hell yeah. You take your <laughs> bitches off. They don't slip going up the ramp when you're trying to pull a 300-pound kayak up, even though you trailer yours because you're big money and I'm poor. Pineapple <laughs> on pizza, yes or no? No. Oh, my, my, see there. Are you from Tennessee originally? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I just remember something. You talked about you love to talk fishing. <laughs> that first Friday night when we got there, me and you stayed up way past everybody else talking, you know, looking at the damn computer, looking at maps, looking at shit. Yeah. And we weren't looking at, at anything that we were fishing necessarily, but we were just in general talking fishing and places, not lures, mm-hmm. not none of that shit. We were just looking at areas. That's the stuff that I like. That's what I geek out on is I don't give a shit about the lure. Typically, I want to hear what people I love it all. You know, whether we talk areas, fit, just anything fishing, I'll, I'll more than happy to talk it. Oh, yeah, that's it. So y'all heard that right now. If you're still listening, you message Matt, and he will geek out on some fishing. He don't care what it is. <laughs> you going to spend more on a rod or a reel? Reel. But I'm, that's close. That's close because I went both ways on that. It, you could, I could go either way. We, the only reason I say real is because with a kayak and I take way too many rods on the damn thing and I use the Hobie horizontal rod storage, I'm going to pull a guy. I'm going to mess some guides up. It, so it, it would, it pains me less if it's a hundred or $150 rod than if it's a 250 or $300 rod. Mm. But my, my whole, yeah, and I, I I also go back and forth on this. Like, I like a good rod for certain stuff. So if I'm dragging a Carolina rig, I want a good rod. Right? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to feel the rocks, and I want to be able to feel them before I get hung in them. So I, you know, whatever. But also, there's something to say about a good reel where you can cast consistently and not have a bird's nest or, you know, and I don't get a lot of bird's nests and that's usually, but just in general, being able to, you pick up that reel and casting that lure and being able to be repetitively consistent in how you throw it. I think. And longevity and and then lasting for years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. Just the money. You a damn $50 rod throw on a chatterbait. Well, unless you fuck it up and lose it in the water or slam it in a door or some bullshit, I mean, that's going to last you a lot longer than a Black Max <laughs> throwing 100%. a half ounce, you know, a thousand times. That's that's a good damn point right there. I, I like it. I like it. All right. 
in a three-hour session, five two-pounders and one seven-pounder? Give me five. <laughs> no, nah, I, I would rather catch a big one, but my yeah. tournament side of me, I always want five at no at all costs. This ain't this ain't tournament or non-tournament question. It's literally when you go out and fish, you know, two hour session. I, I'll take the seven pounder. Yeah, and and a lot of people we've had we've had a, we've had a handful that said the the two pounders. And hey, I get it. I mean, some people just want to catch a bunch of fish. Don't care how big fucking big they are. I got a buddy I bass. <laughs> That, I, that has a bass boat that we fish with and as long as something is pulling on the end of his rod he's fucking happy i'm like there ain't many seven caught. pounders where i come from so i'll take the seven <laughs> i tell us like will man we have been here catching one pounders for an hour let's let's like can we try to move out like 30 feet and maybe to catch <laughs> one that's more than a pound all right wacky rig or texas rig texas rig Pegged or not? Um, pegged unless I am fishing a worm. Occasionally when I fish a worm, I'll leave it unpegged, depending on if I'm flipping cover or whatever I'm doing. But most, mm-hmm. 95% of the time, it's pegged. Slow jams or hype music? Mm, most of the time, hype music, but depends on the mood. Are, are you listening to that on the water or just to the ramp and you know farting around? To the ramp, to the ramp. Um, if I li- if I listen to music on the water, which is usually the first half of the day, I do not, and sometimes I'll listen to it later. But it'll be slower music. <laughs> Have you ever eaten beaver? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Alex Rudd, overrated or underrated? Oh. Um, underrated. I, I think I think most people in the kite fishing community is kind of new, but I think he's starting to catch mm-hmm. on. Uh, they j- just had him on KBN last night. More people were seeing what he's putting out. I think he puts out good stuff. I talked to him for – me, him, and Bailey talked for a long time at – check in at Chickamauga for the Hobie. Really good dude, him and Bailey both. So I think he is underrated. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Bailey both are overrated. Fuck those guys. I love them. <laughs> They're awesome. I'm just kidding. They're good. We've had, Alex, we've had Bailey on. Bailey's been awesome. You know, I talked to, talked to Alex too, but yeah, those are, those are good guys for sure. Do you eat large mouth bass? Um, I have and I will, but I do not keep them. Um, mm. Not that I'm against it, but it's not like I have a live well in the kayak. If we go out and catch fish to <laughs> eat, um, it's going to be walleye or spotted bass. I think those two. Oh, or what? You have walleye where you are in Tennessee. Yeah. Yep. I've never eaten a walleye, but I heard they are the absolute best freshwater fish ever. They're very good. Um, mm. For me, I, I mean, I like them. I like uh, crappy or crappie or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it. But, crappy, foot crappie. Uh, if they say crappie, 
if they say crappie, they're not true Southerners. It's crappy. It's crappy where I live too. So mm. yeah, I mean crappy walleye, spotted bass, all those are all good in my book. But walleye you, you, is very you, good. You ever eaten carp? No. <laughs> Dude, I, Look, I, I I'm from I'm from South Carolina, and we ate carp growing up. That shit was delicious too. People just I mean, people you, just don't know how to cook it. I ain't gonna turn my nose up at anything. I'll try it once. Mm-hmm. Well, you say that you little skinny bitch. You look at my fat ass, and people would believe me. You say that shit. People like this bitch don't eat no carp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anglers love sandwiches. Probably at this point in time, to my knowledge, second to beef jerky. But this is Bass and Brews, so we want to know your top three sandwich proteins. Well, I'm going to say that Eric kind of made me think of something on this that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Steak is a clutch choice. I'm going to say steak and chicken and turkey. So are we having a hunk of like chicken breast or chicken thighs or are we doing sliced chicken from the grocery store? I mean, most of the time it's going to be sliced chicken from the grocery store. But if we're being (laughs) honest about on-the-water snacks, anytime I ever pack a sandwich, most 9.9 times out of 10, it's going to stay in the front hatch of my kayak until I go to use it again. I never stop to eat. It sounds like a great idea to take it, but I never actually end up eating it. So I ain't getting all fancy with the sandwich because the odds of me eating it's pretty damn slim. Yeah, I hardly ever eat shit when I'm fishing, ever. That's how I am. Ever. Every now and again in the morning, if I drink a lot of alcohol the night before, I'll stop and get, like, some snack sticks or beef jerky or a big-ass bag of, like, trail mix. But I typically ain't eating shit on the water. And I was a wildland firefighter, and they gave us sandwiches in the morning at like five o'clock. And by the time you ate that bitch at one or two o'clock in the afternoon, there ain't no coolers for us. Mm. That bitch has been in your, in your pack smashed against it. You pull it out. It looks like a a burrito, except all the bread is either melted because you tried to shove it between two cold water bottles. So it all got soggy or Mm. you put it on the top. So it didn't get soggy and it was crusty as fuck. So, (laughs) This is an Alex question. It, look, his ass don't turn him at fish. He'd be out there fun fishing, eating sandwiches and shit. All right. Who, <laughs> who do you have to shout out? Sponsors, wives, girlfriends, baby mamas, anybody like that you want to <laughs> shout out for the, for the probably at this point in time, three hours, seven minutes in, the, the zero people that are listening, who do you want to shout out to them? There'll be more than that, but I'm just saying. Man, I ain't got I ain't got any sponsors, but I will shout out uh, our local fishing shop. Is ju- the name of it's Just Fishing in Bristol, Virginia. If you're ever passing through on I-81, um, Tennessee, Virginia area, they are a fantastic shop. Uh, you can also order online, free shipping, anything over seventy five dollars, and they got a lot of stuff in stock. They helped me out a little bit, you know, with a little bit of a discount. But other than that. Girlfriend puts up with me traveling and fishing every chance I get. That's that's the only other person I really got to thank. 
Nice. And and so Bristol, have you been to, to a Bristol race yet? Ton of them. How awesome? Yeah, I've been to a ton Bristol. of them. Used How to be awesome more awesome. It used mm-hmm. to be more awesome, but um, the experience was a lot better, you know, when it was full. But um, it's still it's still cool to go to. Y'all, everybody should go see it at least once. So I grew up in where I grew up in South Carolina. Darlington was like thirty minutes from me. So mm-hmm. I, I've been to a, a few Darlington races, and back in the day, they were they were good stuff. All right, baby, yeah. hang on real quick. We're gonna end this show right here. Thank you. Damn. Thank you. I had a burp. Thank y'all for listening. We appreciate it. If you stayed this long, you just got so much good information from Matt. If you are looking to get into tournament angling, so listen to him because you can do it. This man was was a, a hunter and an archer, and he's like, you know what? I can whoop people's ass fishing, and he is. <laughs> Hookset hoodlums, go check him out. Use the code HEELS10 for 10% discount hook set. They're my boys. Good shit. Hook set versus everyone. Again, thank y'all for listening to Bass and Brews. You'll hear us next week. We have no idea what you'll be listening to. This drops today, which is Friday. And we'll see you next time. Hell. Hey, and Alex, fix our fucking logo music so we can see the whole logo, you bum. (laughs) All right, now we're done.